And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. I actually love this fake Rolling Stones song. Like, yeah. it's not a Rolling Stones song, but I genuinely, every time I hear you guys, I'm like, oh, man, they're playing some Stones coming in. I dig it. Yeah. Dig it. We're, 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 we're good. Yeah. And uh, I like the theme music. I, I think it's a great tune. I just, I just think it's preposterous, though, that Bonza has been gone from this we show about a year. We do need to. Brittany, figure out a day where you don't have anything to do. Right. And let me know, and you can come in during the week, and we'll record a new open for the show with Sounds your voice. Sounds good. And, right? it's, and it's not because we don't like Bonza. No, we love Bonza. We of love course. Bonza. But he's been gone. Right. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Britney's been in this chair for some time. Right. It's time for... And looks nothing like Bonza. What? No. no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not in any way. Good morning. Uh, it is the bat around. I am not Stan the Fan, Charles. Um, I believe it or not. I am Glenn Clark from Glenn Clark Radio. In for Stan this week so that he could... You know, uh, this is the truth. You know what he was trying to do, Craig? What? Craig Heist, of course, is always here. Britney Everett's always here. Stan tonight was going to go be a Duke basketball fan. He's down really? in Durham this week. That just goes to show you how pitiful, pitiful right? and pathetic his right? life is. Right? Stan's right. plans were to go down there. Of course, uh, tonight uh, Duke is playing Virginia yeah. in a big, big-time basketball game. And Stan was like, ah, I'm going to go. I'm going to call in some favors. I, I'm think, gonna... I think the spread on that game is like two and a half. Oh, it should be a great game. Yeah. Like even well, uh, Trey Jones, I guess, is still out, but they're supposed to get Cam Reddish back. Right. Uh, tonight, Duke is, and Virginia just pasted Virginia Tech the other night, which nobody saw coming. I mean, they beat them by twenty some points. So this is a great game. Virginia and, has and Duke is coming off uh, to the loss last right, week Syracuse, against Syracuse. Right. So they've got a little bit of uh, you know trying to wipe that taste out of their mouth, obviously. And uh, Virginia hasn't lost since Brittany Everett. Virginia, the last team to beat Virginia was. Do you know? Um, UMBC. That's that correct. One, yes. UMBC, okay. the last time Virginia Shot lost it. a game. See, now, Bonza wouldn't have been able to Ex- do that. Exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. Now, if it was a NASCAR question, yeah, he would have been able it, to answer it because, oddly, that's what Bonza loves. Go figure. That know? is well, the weirdest thing. Baseball and NASCAR, right? Like, that's and, what he's into. And his driving record on 270 is more Suggests, than proof right. of that. And Craig Suggests. brings that up all the time on Facebook, I understand too. understand that. <laughs> So um, so Stan was planning tonight to go to the Duke basketball. I don't know if he's going to go or not, but that was his plan was to go to the Duke-Virginia basketball well, That's a good game. place for him. So uh, I was happy to come in and do this. And we got a lot to do on this week's episode of The Bat Around. Uh, coming up uh, shortly, we're going to check in with uh, my buddy Adam Pohl, the play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. They've got a hot stove event coming up. And also, uh, considering what we know to be going on with the Orioles this year, you might be wanting to look towards the minor leagues during the course of the season for – Maybe a little more excitement for and, some and hope. Po- and positivity. Correct. Like, that might be the way. And so it's going to be a big year for the Bowie Bay Sox. So we'll talk to him about expectations and sort of the, the rebuild process for the Orioles as well. Uh, also coming up a little bit later on this outer hour, Anthony Calamus is going to join us. We're going to talk a lot about the Hall of Fame. Right. So Tuesday is the, the announcement day. Right. Tu- and, you know, I saw on uh, MLB television last night yes. where there are 45% of the ballots yep. out there. Yep. 
And Mike Messina has 82% at the of the moment, vote. At the moment, at he's the good. At the moment, he's good. So we're going to talk more about an- uh, this with Anthony. Anthony Calamus is part of the team at uh, BBHOFTracker.com, so Baseball Hall of Fame Tracker. Mm-hmm. They track every ballot that is unveiled publicly before the actual announcement of the class on Tuesday, and that's how we know that Mike Messina has so far been named on 82% of the ballots. He also wrote a piece for Fangraphs about – Who's who's voted for Messina that hasn't voted for Messina before? Can that give us a read on what the next fifty percent of ballots might say when it comes to Mike Messina? Well, I know one person that has. Actually, I know two people that haven't voted for him. Oh, I know one for sure. Who's the other? Well, one 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 of course. Sh- one for sure is a good friend of yes. both you and me, and that's Dave Ginsburg, uh, Mark Zuckerman of the uh, Masson. of MassInSports.com, formerly of the Washington Times. He's not voted for Mike Messina. Wow. Now, okay. I don't know whether that's changed this year or not. Okay, but in the past, he hasn't in voted past, for Mike Messina. In the past, he has not voted Dave for Dave Ginsburg, I know you guys had on as well last week after he unveiled the ballot uh, with me. Well, and that was from your show. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got it. So, um, Dave said he would vote for Mike Messina next year. Yeah. And, Oddly. Uh, and, the, and the problem that I have, and I have a lot of problems with Hall of Fame voters. I have a lot of problems with Dave Ginsburg. Just for well, the, just I, well the, I do too, yeah, but right, he's one of my right, best friends right. in life. Life, I know, so. I know. But here's the thing. You you are eligible to vote for 10 people. You know, you don't have to, but you are. Correct. Now, if he was thinking that he wasn't going to vote for Mike this year, but yet he only votes for six guys, I don't I don't understand the rationale Yeah, it's, that. it was odd. Like, I was sort of taken aback by that. Now, yeah. Dave's always been that way. He's never been somebody that voted all 10. You know, he's right. always I, had a smaller yeah. ballot and, and sort of... I, I think, we'll talk more about this with Anthony Calamus later this hour, they call him a small Hall of Fame voter. Like, mm-hmm. that part of your belief is that the Hall of Fame should be more exclusive than inclusive. Right. And so you don't feel as though you, sh- you need to vote for 10 guys. It's more, I, I'm going to vote for the guys that I most believe are Hall of Famers. Right. And, you know, one of the other things that's odd with Dave, he does, however, tend to vote for guys in their 10th year. Like, he voted for Edgar Martinez this year, said he really thinks he might vote for Larry Walker next year. And and there are guys who will vote for somebody on their last year on the ballot and maybe forego a Mike Messina because it is Edgar's last year on the ballot. Right, right? your last chance. So we'll talk with Anthony Calamus about uh, Mike Messina and whether or not he uh, will find his way into Cooperstown coming up a little bit later on this hour. At the top of the second hour, Greg Bader from the Baltimore Orioles is going to check in with us. Stand up, or stand, Craig, pretty big <laughs> event coming up next Saturday yeah, here in Baltimore. Yeah, Fan Fest uh, down at the convention center, and it's always a, a big time for the fans. And uh, It's me, the major me, off-season moment. It's the major the- off-season moment, and maybe this year more than any other uh, because of the turnover with the right. ball club. Uh, they set up a media room upstairs for us, and uh, they bring the players in and the uh, the folks that are anything to do with this uh, team, and uh, we get a chance to ask a lot of questions. Well, and I would say for and the believe f- me, there's a lot of questions. Oh, to ask no doubt about that. But I would think for the fans as well, this will be the first time because they do the forum event at Fan Fest. This will be the first time for Joe Fan mm-hmm. to be there and look in the eyes of Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias. And I know that some fans get to ask questions during that forum, so it'll be absolutely the first opportunity for a season ticket holder to say, "Hey, I, I've got a lot. I'm spending money on tickets." And it doesn't look like the baseball team is going to be very right, good. Right, exactly. Can we talk about that? And look, I think a lot of us are buying in on what it is the Orioles are doing. I'm absolutely in the camp of I think it was necessary. I think it was time for a reset. And so 
I'm, and I think that most people are on board with the two hires they've made so oh, far. Oh, I'm, I'm totally and, and on Elias board with and it. Brandon Hyde. But right. I think they still need to answer those questions from fans and say, here's why we'd like for you to keep committing to coming out, despite the fact that, look, and we all kind of know it ain't going to be, it's going to be painful. It's, it's, it's going to be painful, but I will caution for those who think it is going to be painful. Remember, we had a 1989 around here. After, that is absolutely after true. After 107 losses and an 0-21 start to 1988, this team went right down to the wire the next year with the Toronto Blue Jays fighting for a division title. Now, am I saying that's going to happen now? No, I'm not. But with the way the game is, you just never know. I, I, a, a few right. a few pitchers that step if, up. If suddenly Chris Davis looked like a baseball player again, again that right. would be helpful. If Dylan Bundy can put together 32, sure. 32 33 sure. starts and stay sure. healthy all year. Uh, yes, it's not as if there aren't. Th- this is where it's a little bit different than, say, the Astros or the Marlins. Right. There are more qualified major leaguers on this roster currently when you look at, again, I say qualified, I'm counting Chris Davis in that department, and a year ago he was not a qualified major right. leaguer. But if you count Chris Davis, and if there's the possibility of Chris Davis can be something else, when Mark Trumbo gets back healthy again, Trey Mancini is obviously a qualified major leaguer, um, Jonathan VR is a qualified major leaguer, and in the pitching staff, you bring up Dylan Bundy, but let's not forget Andrew Kashner and, and, and Alex, Alex Cobb, Cobb are both too. there as right, well. Exactly. So there are qualified major leaguers, and in the bullpen, there's still a couple left over as well, including Michael Givens, qualified major league pitchers that are on this roster, that's a little bit different than when the Marlins started this process or the Cubs started this process or the Astros started this process, and it was... And even in 88 when the Orioles, or in 89 when the Orioles were coming off the 88 sure. season. We looked at a bunch of guys and said, okay, we'll roll with them. Right. Greg, Greg Ballard's going right, to do what? Right, you know? yeah, who knew? Who knew what was going to come from right. that? Um, so we'll talk to Greg Bader about the, where the Orioles are a little bit later on as well. Also this morning, uh, we will check in with Dan Connolly. Uh, Orioles beat writer for The Athletic. Uh, he is also a Hall of Fame voter, but I believe Dan un- does not unveil his ballot until after right. the announcement is made, mm-hmm. typically. So we'll talk to him hypothetically about some ballot stuff, but and, also about... And he's recently written a piece about oh, Brandon a very Hyde. lengthy piece. Uh, Spoke to just about... Like I, he tracked down yeah. anybody who's ever had like a conversation. He got like, like a guy at the Seven Eleven that like uh, bumped into <laughs> Brandon Hyde once. You know, like he talked to everyone who's and, ever and, known. And that Brandon guy Hyde. was able to tell him what his favorite Correct. coffee was, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he's a more of a red vine man than a Twizzler guy. Right. Like he's hazelnut you know. as opposed to Colombian. Exactly right. You know, need to know that stuff right. about Brandon. I know it was a very very well. And he wants he wants to certainly have enough time to just discuss a little yep. bit about what went into that. Yep, it was clearly yeah. a lot of work that. I went into that piece. Yeah. If you haven't read it at The Athletic, it's uh, very, very good. So that's what's coming up on today's show. Heisty, I got a question for you. Sure. And I'm, I'm posing this in general to everybody who's with us this morning. If you want to comment on Facebook, uh, on our video, you can do that. Um, if you want to <laughs> share a thought. I was going to say, don't forget to like and share us. Thank you very much. Uh, if you want to share a thought on Twitter, I'm at uh, Glenn Clark Radio. Heisty is at C Heist Sports. You can uh, do it there as well. Absolutely. Um, I want to know this. So, again, Tuesday's the, the ballot announcement. Right. We're all assuming that, uh, uh, of course, Mariano Rivera is going to go in. Roy Halladay, it's it's pretty much assumed that he's going to go in. And it looks more and more as though Edgar Martinez is going to definitely end up joining them in his final year on the ballot. Mike Messina is the one that, again, voting right now is good. But historically, the ballots that get turned in later or that aren't unveiled publicly Mm -hmm. 
are more conservative ballots, are people who are more unlikely to change their vote from the past. The path to getting to 75% is not guaranteed, I don't think, yet for Mike Messina. It isn't, because there are so many ballots out there Right. who, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who still hold the line of, well, didn't win 20 until his last season. Never a Cy, Never Young, a Award Cy Young Award winner, but in the top five in Cy Young Award voting. Never re- didn't reach many, 300 many, many times for his career. Never with 300. And, and, oddly, and there were reasons for that. Sure, and oddly, never won a World Series. Never won a World Series, but you know what? Neither did Ernie Banks. All, all fair. All of these things are fair. Overwhelming majority of, well, maybe not the overwhelming majority, but a lot of baseball Hall of Famers never won a World Series. Right, exactly. And, you know, I always, for the people who bring that up to me all the time, I said, well, I guess that makes Ernie Banks I think that what makes not it, a Hall of Famer. What makes right? it awkward for Messina is that the Yankees literally won the year before he got there and then after he left. Exactly. Like, that's the awkward and, and, part but, for Mike But Messina. the awkward part, too, is to show you that it's out of your control right. a lot of times is that his first year there, the crazy it's, it's a Luis Gonzalez right. broken Luke's back single, yeah. off the guy who's going to go in Mariano Rivera, as absolutely. the greatest reliever of all time. Absolutely. Otherwise, he would have won a World Otherwise, Series. Otherwise, he would have won a World Series. So here's my question about Mike Messina. If he gets elected on Tuesday, and if he doesn't get elected on Tuesday, we're all mm-hmm. assuming probably next year he gets elected. He'll be close enough that you assume a couple more people will vote. He's going to be elected this year or next okay. is the assumption that we're making. So if but more when he gets elected, what do the Orioles do? And I, and I say this because I, I you know we talked about it a little bit before the show. I definitely think the Orioles are going to be excited and are going to recognize Mike Messina as a Hall of Famer and try to do something and have an event, something along those lines. But Orioles Orioles in the Hall of Fame currently mm-hmm. all have their numbers retired, all have their numbers honored outside the ballpark in that you know, what, uh, Hall of Fame Park. Hall of Fame that, Park, right. Um, on Utah Street <coughs> there when you're you know queuing in line for t- right. to, you know, to get your ticket scanned. And they all have statues... Uh, beyond the center field wall in Monument Park. I don't know if all of those things would be appropriate for Mike Messina because he split his career between Baltimore and New York. Mm -hmm. There'd be a great argument about which hat would he wear in Cooperstown. That's not... That's play- not up to him. Right. The Hall of Fame chooses right. which hat. I know in the past some players have gone in with no logo on their hat mm-hmm. because it was just deemed, you know, they played for too many teams. It was too difficult for us to choose one. Um, so that would be a possibility here. We're talking about two teams that he had almost equal time with during his career. So does it matter? Does this decision, is it impacted by whether or not he goes to the Hall of Fame with an Oriole on his cap? What do you do for Mike Messina it, it if may, he's elected? It may well determine what the Orioles do, but I think personally he goes in and wears the Oriole cap on the on the. If you were the, the Hall of Fame, the you would. If you I'm would. the Hall of Fame, I go ahead and do that because he won 147 here in Baltimore. Yep. He won 123 up in New York with the Yankees. So there, there's where you get the 270 from. The other part of it is for me. I, I'm going to look at it from the standpoint of as he had more opportunities for the postseason with the Yankees. However, it would be hard to. Well, he was a part it, of the last it, great Orioles. Right. Team it, too. it would be hard to deny the numbers from 96 and 97, especially 97 with the 25 strikeouts in two games 
uh, in 15 in the game in Cleveland against the Indians. No doubt. And uh, so, so from that standpoint, and then you look back to 94 and everybody's, well, he never won 20. What would have been. Right? What would have been right. the same way we say about the Montreal Expos. That team probably absolutely probably goes to the World Series that year, or at absolutely. least is in the playoffs, and who knows what happens. But Mike Messina on August the 12th is sitting at 16 wins. Yeah, it seems really unlikely that, you know, on a team that was as playing as well as he and pitching as well as he was, that he wouldn't have figured out a way to get four more wins. Right, and, and during his time with the Orioles, there were two 19-win seasons. There were three 18-win seasons. So from that standpoint... Uh, you know, I think he goes in as an Oriole. Now, what the Orioles do as far as a statue or numbers retired, <clears throat> that's going to be, for me, on the fringe a little bit. And that's, right, that's the interesting part right. to me. It's the, the <clears throat> interesting part to me is, like, here, Craig, this is my gut. My gut is I would probably say I'm, I'm cool with retiring Mike Messina's number. I'm okay with recognizing I'm cool with that, too. Somehow it seems to me like the statue... Is a bit over, right? A bit overboard, like, and I know that seems like a weird way to differentiate. Yeah, but I, I'm going to say it this way: Adam Jones is never going to be a Hall of Famer. Right. I would be more inclined to put up an Adam Jones statue <laughs> than I would be to put up a Mike Messina statue in Monument Park because of what he represented for the city, because of what he represented for the franchise, mm-hmm. because he was the guy that wanted to be here, that bought in the whole deal. I think Orioles fans have more of a feeling he's more beloved among Orioles fans than Mike Messina's. I think Mike Messina's appreciated and yes for some Orioles fans there'll always be the awkwardness of him going to the Yankees and I got over that a long time ago. And he's ago. a traitor and this right. and that and everything. Right. I you know right. that's not where I am. And the furthest thing from the truth Correct. by the way. Correct. He you know he would have loved to have been in Baltimore right. if the Orioles would have right exactly you know, offered him that type of money to be a uh, to continue to be that but, guy. But for, in the end the Yankees said this is it and you can't take it back to the Orioles right. you know you, either, you either accept it or it's off the table. Correct. Then he said yeah, yeah, right. like I'd like to make that type of money to pitch that seems like something that i'd like to do so that's not where i am i'm not hung up on that part of it but there are orioles fans that still are i see it every time we have a conversation about mike messina there's always a couple people to pop up and say not over it still don't like him hope he doesn't get into the hall of fame well i hate to tell you this folks yeah he's gonna get in right he's He's gonna gonna get get in in. it's just a question of when so so are you lining up with Mm -hmm. me then that you'd be okay with number outside the ballpark absolutely and and sort of taking it out of circulation maybe and maybe it's not even retiring it as much as like maybe for a couple decades you know we just don't have anyone like we could it's not we're not saying forever yeah this isn't like well, Eddie Murray. and that brings me to one of my favorite stories okay josh towers yes okay former orioles pitcher former orioles pitcher when he leaves i mean when mike leaves and goes to the yankees towers the following year in 01 is issued number 35 Okay. 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 <laughs> Towers told me, he says, the greatest story ever. He says, first time the Yankees are in town, Mike walks up to me, sees me in the 35 jersey, and says, man, they must really hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's I wouldn't want that burden. I would not no. want that burden of being the guy to wear number 35 after <laughs> Mike Messina. Well, I want to hear from you. I want to get your thoughts. Yeah. What do the Orioles do? If Mike Messina gets in, if he gets in, and does it matter if he gets in and he's got an Oreo on his cap or not? Does that change your opinion of what they do? Do they, you know, retire or take the number out? Do they, you know, put the number out on uh, Utah Street in Hall of Fame Park? 
do they do what they've done for every other Orioles Hall of Famer and put a statue out in the outfield of Mike Messina? What would you want to see the Orioles do if Mike Messina gets in this week to the Hall of Fame? We'll continue to talk about that throughout the course of the morning. But right now, uh, my buddy Adam Pohl is the play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox, and they're getting ready for a very cool hot stove event coming up. And uh, I think he's also up in New York right now getting ready to call a basketball game as he's also the play-by-play voice of uh, Mount St. Mary's. Adam Pohl joins us here on the Bat Around. Adam, it's uh, Glenn and Heisty. It's good to talk to you, buddy. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, no doubt about it. Thank you so much for having me. And I'll tell you, Orioles fandom age, uh, I was uh, in college at UNC, and I was at a bar when uh, what a shock there. That's that's a stunner. Yeah, right. <laughs> and 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 one of my friends tapped me on the shoulder. Uh, Adam, Uh-oh. we got to get your phone taken care of. We got a little bit of a phone issue there. Let me. Let me I was trying to get back. No hurry. Uh, go ahead. Do you bud. have me now? Yep, we got you. Okay, and basically, uh, I I was one of my friends tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Hey, you seen it? Just signed with the Yankees," and that was. The most heartbreaking free agent loss I think I've ever had as a, a fan in, in sports. Okay, but are you the type, this is, this is good, right? We were just talking about this. Are you the type <laughs> who says, I'm still not over it? Um, like, have you held a grudge towards Mike Messina? Or are you the type that's like, dude, he got a lot of money to go play baseball in New York. Like, I can't be mad at him as much as I didn't want him to go to the Yankees. I, I think that, uh, sadly, I'm probably the, the uh, first thing there. Wow. <laughs> wow. What an admission to me. Well, you know, here, here's the difference. The difference between me and Adam, yeah. when he left, and you know how much I hate the Yankees. Right. I mean, I put yeah. it right up there with, right. Duke, yeah, with sure. Duke basketball and Penn State football. Okay? It's high on the list. <laughs> but, you know, I, I rooted for the Yankees. During that time, he was in New York. I'm not going to pretend once, like I rooted for the Yankees. Well, no. I, I, rooted, say, I rooted But for, I rooted for Mike. I rooted for the yeah, Yankees once every fifth day. All right. All right. I can, ex- I can respect that. Uh, Adam, let me get you to chime in on this, and we're talking about what you guys have going on with the Bay Sox. Undoubtedly. If, if Messina goes in, if he gets elected on Tuesday, what do you think the Orioles should do? Should they retire the number and put it out there in front of uh, the park on Utah Street? Should they build a statue like they have for all the other Hall of Famers. Like what? Th- there, there is precedent that if you're an Oriole and you're in the Hall of Fame, that's what we do for you here. But it just, yeah, because of what yeah, you're talking it, about, it feels different from Mike Messina. Yeah, yeah I, I think that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the fan in me says that, that you don't go, go to that level. But he definitely should be honored in, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, he was a great Oriole. Uh, the Orioles really have not been able to develop a pitcher of any ilk like Musina since, and uh, but I, I think that uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that he should uh, he should have a, a statue there in that courtyard, uh, largely because because he, he left the Orioles. He went to the but, Yankees. But he went to the Yankees. I, you, know, you can't you can't be a Yankee and get a statue. We're gonna make it a new policy. <laughs> you, you can't you can't. But by the same token, Eddie Murray left the Orioles. He did too. That is true. He he did. He, he did. did. All uh, right. Maybe not on his own volition. Necessarily. Remember, stand the fan ran him out of town. Uh, <laughs> right, I, I remember that. Uh, Adam, you guys have a really cool event coming up, um, and and some uh, former, some current and former Bowie Bay Sox making the trek uh, to hang out with you guys. You want to tell everybody about it? Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be at Glory Days Grill in Edgewater, Maryland, which is very close to Annapolis. Uh, it'll be at noon on uh, Friday, uh, from noon to one, and uh, we're going to have David Hess. Uh, Ryan McKenna, 
DL Hall and Bruce Zimmerman there. So in essence, uh, it'll be they'll be on a little bit of a dais. We'll talk to them for uh, 15 minutes and in interview portion. Uh, you as a fan, if you come, uh, you, you'd be able to ask questions after that and then uh, autograph session following. So it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, we hope uh, that we're able to fill the restaurant and see a lot of Orioles fans out there uh, to meet some of the top prospects. And, and uh, I'll tell you, David Hess also, I mean, he, he's not, uh, I mean, he's one of the best guys in the entire organization and uh, obviously could be uh, in the starting rotation to start the year. Uh, one of my favorite stories last year, by the way, was David Hess. I took my three-year-old. It wasn't his first game. It was his second Orioles game ever to that first game of the doubleheader that mm-hmm. day when he made his first start. Remember, he, right, gave, up, yeah. he gave up the three-run homer in the first inning, and I'm like, okay, like <laughs> that's what we signed up for today. You know, like It'll be all right. He, the boy doesn't know any better. And then, as it turns out, David Hess pitched a gem. Right. Afterwards, the Orioles end up winning that game, and my three-year-old son decided that his favorite player – was going to be David Hess because <laughs> he was it. there for David Hess's first there start. And Daddy was making a big deal about it. and He needed one because his previous one had been Manny Machado. So I might sneak <laughs> down to Edgewater on Friday with my three-year-old to try to hang out with you guys so he can see David Hess. But do people need uh, tickets for this, or is this just showing? No, up? no, it's completely free. I mean, I would come hungry, uh, come hungry, hungry and have lunch. There, once again, Glory Days Grill in Edgewater. Uh, I think the restaurant opens at 11, so <clears throat> if you want a good seat, Make sure to come a little bit early because I think it'll fill up. I mean, this event uh, has done that in the past. It's the fourth time we've done it. Um, so try to get there, you know, 11 to 11.30, and, and you'll get to meet everybody and and uh, hopefully enjoy uh, a nice afternoon. There is no place that Glenn Clark and myself go where we're not hungry. Hey man, you kidding me? <laughs> Plus, I've had the wings at Glory Days Grill. Trust me, I'm happy to go get some of those. We got that all in common, don't we? Hey, um, uh, we were talking before the show, Adam. Obviously, we all know that at the major league level, it could be a, a difficult year. And sure. so I think there are going to be a lot of eyes that are going to be focused on what's going on in the minor leagues this season and trying to find hope for, for what's, what's ahead for the Orioles in the future as part of this rebuilding process. I'm assuming that you guys are aware of that in Bowie and are expecting a very exciting season because of those things, and it's kind of a big deal what you guys have going on down there this year. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And one of the things that I think is so unique when you look at the Orioles organization in the minor leagues coming into this year, uh, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of changes, but the depth of, uh, of starting pitching in the system is going to be at a higher level than at any time in my 13 years covering uh, being around Orioles minor league baseball, whether with Frederick or Bowie, if you go to any of the minor league affiliates, Norfolk, Bowie, Frederick, Delmarva, the full season affiliates, you're going to see a prospect, uh, you know, whichever night you go as a starting pitcher. And if you look at Bowie, uh, you know, I'm just thinking uh, you've got the guys coming up from Frederick, like Zach Lowther, Michael Bauman, Alex Wells, that are possibilities to be on the Bowie roster. You then have Bruce Zimmerman, who will be at our event uh, that was in the in the Braves trade, a left-hander uh, that, that really has a good feel for pitching and uh, put up good double-A numbers for the second half of the season last year. Brian Gonzalez is forgotten. He was the Orioles' top draft choice in 2014 as a high school lefty, a third-rounder, and uh, he had a great finish to the year. If you look at what he did in his last six starts, he really finished strong. He'll probably be in the Bay Sox rotation, and that's not even mentioning – you know, the Dean Kramer is, uh, he could be either in Bowie or Norfolk. I mean, Norfolk's going to have Tate and Keegan Aiken. There's just a lot of depth. I would expect D.L. Hall to be in Frederick. 
uh, th- there's going to be a lot of depth in starting pitching throughout the organization, and I think that's exciting because when you go to the ballpark, uh, that's one of the first things you look at. Okay, who's throwing tonight? And uh, you're going to see somebody, and it'll be interesting because not all of these are going to become great major league starting pitchers, uh, but uh, but you want pitching in numbers, and the Orioles have that in their minor leagues right now. I've got to ask you a question. Preston Palmero uh, mm-hmm. was certainly uh, got his stroke together at Delmarva a couple of years ago. Last year at Frederick, put up some pretty solid numbers. Is there a chance we could see him at Bowie at some time? I think so. I, I think there's a good chance that he would be the Bay Sox starting second baseman. And uh, But it's interesting because with Paul Merrill, he's another guy that, you know, in, in, in five, ten years ago, he might have been thought of as uh, talked about a little bit more, but he's not even ranked in the top 20 or 30 prospects right. in the organization. I mean, when you look at the organization as a whole, what you see is you don't see – that blue chip prospect. You know, when I started my second year uh, in Frederick, it was Matt Wieters and Jake Arietta. And then in uh, 2011, it was Machado and Scope. And in 2012, it was Bundy and Gosman. You probably don't have prospects that have that high of uh, a level uh, uh, given to them at the time that they're in the minor leagues right there. You don't have a, a Wieters or a Machado or a Bundy that were thought to be uh, in the top 10 prospects in all of baseball. But you have a bigger depth. So, so the player that's rated as the 20th best prospect in the Orioles organization is a much higher regarded player than, than that was in the past. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. And now with the Orioles having the number one pick in the draft this year, and many people thinking that they could have that or, or uh, you know, a very high pick in the next year or two yeah, to come, yeah. you're going to start seeing the Orioles are going to get some of those higher-level prospects. And uh, maybe what will happen is they're able to build uh, kind of a young core at the major league level and then add young stars in. And, and that's what your hope is in three or four years, that the players are going to draft in the next two or three or that they're going to sign, if they're able to sign a big player out of Latin America, that these players in three or four years surface and, uh, and lead the Orioles on their next run. But if you, if you look back at 07, 08, 09, Mm-hmm. With the Washington Nationals, and you're talking about top draft picks, you're looking at, you know, Harper, Rendon, Strasburg. You know, that's how part exactly. of that. That's exactly Absolutely how right. that that team got built. Absolutely. So there's I no mean, doubt Harper and Strasburg were the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, and uh, Rendon was the number six pick in the draft. So right. uh, you're talking about that high level picks, and of course. Uh, with the Orioles, the players I mentioned before, Machado was the number three pick. Weeders and Bundy were each the number four pick. Uh, so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. And uh, obviously, the 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 new look, the new structure of the Orioles, I, uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they pick even in the lower levels of the draft as well. Because uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be some changes in that regard also. He is Adam Pohl, the play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. Again, the Hot Stove Luncheon is this Friday at noon at Glory Days Grill in Edgewater with David Hess, Ryan McKenna, D.L. Hall, and Bruce Zimmerman. Make it a baseball weekend. You're going to Fan Fest on Saturday before on Friday. Take a half day and go hang out with the Bay Sox at Glory Days in Edgewater. Adam, appreciate it, bud. We will be talking as the season goes along. Thank you, and uh, enjoy your trip up to – it's Wagner today, right? You're, you're That's seeing, right, yes. we got some NEC basketball today, so go, thank you so much. Go Mount St. Mary's. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Talk to you guys soon. Adam Pohl, the uh, play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. And the Mount is still a great place to go watch basketball. That, well, I mean, if you've never been to oh, Not Arena. Mount, it's great. The atmosphere that they create out in Emmitsburg, first of all, it's a beautiful drive. Like, let's talk about that. It's yes. a gorgeous drive out there. And then the atmosphere in that building, like, 
you would say like why is that a, well, it's the middle of nowhere kind of what else are you going to do on a, a game day like right. they create a really really raucous atmosphere for basketball games yes, out there yes they do and they've been very good as well and very competitive in the NEC over the years which has helped them uh, create that atmosphere uh, Heisty, we need to talk, of course, about Big Bats. Yeah, right across the uh, Bay Bridge in uh, Stevensville, Maryland, St. Clair Place. And uh, you can do that by just driving over the Bay Bridge, taking the first exit, uh, and then uh, get to the top of the hill where the stoplight is, hang a left, and Big Bats is about a quarter of a mile down the road on the right. And uh, it's a great place. Got it's, the food's great. Food's great. Bar food. You can watch all the games. NFL playoffs tomorrow, college basketball today, uh, certainly within the realm, and theme rooms. That's the, they have a yeah. great – they have an Orioles theme room over there. It's really cool. With all the history dating back to when, when they came to town, but also the glory days, 66, the first World Series. And uh, it's just a great place, and you can actually sit at the bar on a base. That's pretty cool, man. It is. That's pretty cool. All Where else bar, do you get to do that, all, right? All the bar stools are bases. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, we love Big Bats. Appreciate them making the bat around happen every week. That's a heck of a read, uh, Craig Heist, there you go. radio professional. All right, when we come back in, Anthony Calamus from uh, BBHOFTracker.com. We're now gonna we're going to get into it. Yeah, we're going to get more of <laughs> the nitty-gritty of, look, it's not Anthony's decision whether or not nah. Mike Messina gets in the Hall of Fame, but he's going to tell us more about whether or not it's going to happen. So so, so you're not going to be uh, appalled if I say, oh, you're you're full of it, Anthony. Right, correct. You can, it's not his, not his call. Okay. He's just going to tell us whether or not, based on the math, it's going to happen. Okay. So we'll talk to him next. It's the bat around. That's uh, Craig Heist. I'm Glenn Clark. She's Brittany, and it's a happy Saturday morning to you. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. What a sweet time to see our friend Steve at his Chick-fil-A restaurant in Nottingham Square. The chocolate milkshakes are the way they should be at Chick-fil-A, thick and chocolatey. But so is the peppermint chocolate chip milkshake, thick, chocolatey, and pepperminty. The strawberry milkshake is thick and very strawberry-y like it's supposed to be. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square also has frosted coffee and ice-cold vanilla shakes. Plus, there's a cookies and cream milkshake. Cookies and cream! The Chick-fil-A sandwich is the best. The waffle fries are amazing. And at Steve's Chick-fil-A in Nottingham Square, his folks come around to check on you if you dine in. They refilled my drink for nothing the last time I was there. Do not leave hungry. Top off your next meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square with something sweet. Shakes, cones, and cookies. All done the way you'd expect from Chick-fil-A perfectly. Join Chick-fil-A 1 and score points every time you order for free stuff. Our Chick-fil-A is on Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Pressbox's annual Best of Baltimore Sports Double Issue is now available. Presented by Maryland Sports 
Commission. This issue recognizes UMBC basketball's Ryan Odom and Jarris Lyles as our local sportspersons of the year. Plus, 60 more are in the spotlight as we look at the top people, performances, and moments of the year. Press box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. This is former Terp AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. Back in here on the bat around, Glenn Clark in for Stan the Fan this week with Craig Heist and of course Brittany's here as she is every week as well. And again, the uh, Hall of Fame announcement is on Tuesday, Craig. We're going to find out who is in for the class of 2019 for the Baseball Hall of Fame. We're pretty certain about three of them. Yeah. The fourth one is the one that's most interesting to us, and it's the one that I think is still most could go either way. Right. It, it looks like, you know, like Bonds Clemens got a lot of votes, probably not going to get in because no. the late, the ones that don't unveil their votes almost typically do not well, have I steroid know, users. I know Schilling is just underneath it. Right. And he's in that uh, group the as threshold, well. Right. Yep. He's in that group as well. Uh, Bonds and Clemens, a little bit lower than him. But, and but Larry Walker's had an unbelievable no. rise, but yeah. not not quite to the point where he would get in this year, but certainly looks better for his chances of getting in right. the 10th ballot. But the one, obviously, is Mike Messina. That's the one that we're interested in locally, and that's the one that is the most sort of up in the air, the biggest mystery going into Tuesday. Joining us to try to shed a little bit more of light on that mystery and what's going to happen with Mike Messina, he is a part of the team that does a tremendous job. All of us use bbhoftracker.com as a resource during this time of the year. They collect all of the ballots. The guy that writes for like the Contra Costa Times that unleashes his ballot, and why would anybody in Baltimore know about it? Well, because this group has gone and found it, and they've compiled them. He also wrote about Mike Messina and his chances in a really lengthy piece at Fangraphs uh, to try to explain what we're looking at. He's Anthony Calamus, and he joins us now here on the Bat Around. Anthony, it's Glenn and Craig in Baltimore. It's good to talk to you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. No problem. Um, How are you? Uh, we are great, and we are all – I guess we're just going to put you under the microscope. Is Mike Messina going to get in the Hall of Fame on Tuesday or not? If I had to guess, I'd probably handicap the chances at around, like, 50-50 or 55-45. Wait a weasel out of it. pretty wait. close to a toss-up. <laughs> I think he's got a pretty good chance. I think there's a lot of things working in his favor right now. A lot of trends going his way. So tell me more about that, because I know that's what you wrote about at Fangraphs. Who who has voted for Mike Messina this year that didn't vote for him in the past? What can we learn from that that we can maybe project to the 50% of ballots that are still out there? 
There's been a couple uh, interesting ways that he's been changing some minds so far. Um, a couple of he's so far he's changed 17 minds uh, in the early voting. Um, last year he missed by 49 votes. Uh, some of the voters that have changed his mind that have changed their minds have also voted for Roy Halladay and have also changed on Kurt Schilling, which I think is an interesting trend that maybe evaluation of Halliday's credentials has caused people to look at Messina again. Messina's got more wins than Halliday, and he pitched for a lot longer, a lot more innings, more strikeouts. He didn't win Cy Young's, but he faced Roger Clemens at his height in the American League in the early 2000s. And Pedro and Martinez. Sure, and, yeah, you know. Yeah, he went up against several of the best pitchers of all time, and it was Johan Santana was winning some Cy Youngs in the American League in that time, too. Boy Halliday himself won a Cy Young in the AL in the early 2000s, so it was a tough group to crack through and win a Cy Young, and it's possible that some voters are holding that less against him now. Um, Andy Pettis also on the ballot this time, for the first time this year, and you see a directly against Pettit, has more wins, a lower ERA, a lower playoff ERA. He's did better in awards voting, he's more an all-star more times. He looks very good against Pettit, and there are some people who have been voting for Pettit and changing their mind on this on the scene. That's an interesting, like you're saying, like there's, there's, if, if I'm going to vote for Andy Pettit, then I sure as hell better vote for Mike Messina. Well, and you was, probably say the same thing about Kurt Schilling, because right. that was what, uh, if you saw the roundtable discussion on MLB TV, uh, you know, Mad Dog Mike Russo, or Chris, Chris Russo, Russo yeah. is, is one of those that, I mean, he's probably in his own mind got a, a higher opinion of what, sure. a, what a Hall of Famer should be and what it should look at, look like. Uh, Brian Kenny brought up the fact that you know statistically you could prepare or you could compare him to a couple different guys, and he brought up Juan Marichal as far as that's concerned. And Russo went off the chart. I mean, just went. But he's a Giants guy, yeah. right? And he's a big Giants guy, yeah. so I get that. But if you're if you're going to compare pitcher to pitcher, I would say compare Tom Glavin's that's, stats. That's the one. That's Tom Glavin's yeah. to me is is the is the the end all be all in terms of whether or not Mike Messina should be in a Hall of Fame or not. Yeah, he compares pretty well to Glavin. Um, Glavin, of course, won those two Cy Youngs, but he also had the Braves' high-powered team helping him out there. He's pitching the support. National League too. Yeah, yeah. Um, on a statistical basis, they compare pretty well. Uh, Gladden has the low ERA, but Messina had to deal with the high-powered offenses in the AL East, ballparks that were not really good for pitching, and, of course, pitching in the 90s and 2000s in those parks. Well, I always go back to what uh, Greg Maddox told me. He said, if I pitched in the American League, he said, my ERA would have been at least a run higher. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's plain as you start, you're facing one more batter. Right. Like, you have to start with that. And then all the other things that Anthony points out. Of course, the ballparks, sure. particularly in the AL East, you're talking about um, Yankee Stadium and, and especially the new Yankee Stadium. Well, and, and if you think Camden Yards, right. Yankee Stadium, and Fenway Park. Some favorable porches there. Yeah. Mike, Mike Messina made 60% of his starts in those three ballparks. Correct. And yet posted those numbers. And posted those numbers, yeah. So what, you know, is is there a threshold, like is there a certain type of voter that still needs to turn 
for Messina to reach the mark by Tuesday, Anthony? Well, I think a lot of the later ballots are going to be against players like Aragon and Roger Clemens. So I think the most interesting group to look at is people that don't that vote for not a lot of candidates and also don't vote for them so far and who have released their ballots publicly. And so far we've seen eight of those people come back and he's changed two of those minds. So that doesn't seem like a great percentage, but if he were to keep up that percentage, he would be right on that 75% border. Assuming a lot of the people who don't reveal their ballots are similar to that. So there's a lot of no voters out there like that. If he's able to keep changing minds at that rate, he'd be in decent shape. There are a whole handful of people that used to say, you know, obviously before his last season with the Yankees where he did finally win 20. Well, there were no Cy Youngs. There were no World Series championships. uh, Never won 20 up until his last year. And didn't get the 300. Right, didn't get the 300. How much has the age of analytics uh, changed people's mind on Mike Messina? I think it's really helped his candidacy. It definitely doesn't hurt that his first two years on the ballot, there were five starting pitchers that got inducted, and ever since then, there haven't been any starting pitchers until Halliday this year. So it's really helped that he's been the best starting pitcher or the second best starting pitcher not connected to steroids for a while now. I think that has helped, but I really, I think a lot of voters are, I've seen many voters cite things like Jay Jaffe's Jaws score recently and things like that. They're taking a second look at Messina's candidacy, and it looks good to them. They're changing their minds on him. They're reevaluating him, and I definitely think things like sabermetrics are helping him. Anthony Calamus, bbhoftracker.com. Again, right now, 45.1% of ballots are known publicly. Mike Messina has been named on 82.3% of the ballots. He would still need 156 votes in order to get into the Hall of Fame on Tuesday. Um, Anthony, Messina's, I think, the only one that we have a real... Like doubt, we're we're assuming at this point. I mean, obviously Mariano Rivera is getting in, and it looks more and more obvious about Roy Holiday. But I I think we would put Edgar Martinez. We're doing like the election day thing. Like we're putting him in the safe category at this point, right? There's a lot of uncertainty. He definitely looks pretty good right now. Uh, I think the highest we've seen a candidate drop is about twelve percent. So if he were to hang around. In the, in the mid-upper 80s at the very least. It would be pretty unprecedented for him to drop below. But there's uncertainty with returning voters. He would, it, would be, it would be shocking if he wouldn't make it, but there's, it, it would be nice if you're an Edgar fan to see him get a couple more changed minds in the next couple of days just to be more sure. So I would think the next most interesting thing that we're going to learn on Tuesday is where does Larry Walker's percentage end up at? Because he's the guy going into the 10th year next year. So you have this this year with Edgar Martinez, but Larry Walker goes into his final year on the ballot next year. What What's a number that, like, if he finishes at, we could say with some amount of, you know, like, belief that he had a real shot of getting in in year 10? Well, I've... His surge this year has been remarkable. Um, 
I look at, there's a couple key numbers that I've been looking at to see if I think he would have a shot next year. Um, last year, Vlad Guerrero jumped 21%, and that's one of the biggest jumps in the last 30 or 40 years that we've seen to get over 75%. So I think that mark, 54%, is the bare minimum I think you'd need to get to where I think you'd have a shot. Um, a little higher than that will cut about half of what he, he was missing by last year. I think if he gets to around where Edgar was two years ago in 2017, 58%, I think a lot of people, it, it would be really interesting next year if he gets into the high 50s. Right now he's at 67% in the tracker, but I think he's going to drop a little bit as more and more ballots are revealed. Um, a lot of his gains this year have been from people that voted for 10 players last year so. In a lot of cases, it's conceivable they just didn't have room for him last year. Sure. And now, last year, four players got inducted. And this year, the biggest two, Halliday and Rivera, are still leaving open spots on some of these voters' ballots. And Walker has been the biggest beneficiary of that. And then next year, obviously, it's Derek Jeter. And that's that's sort of the only one that screams at you, right? Like, the, the ballot is open for some of these votes because there's not as many first-year guys coming in. Yeah, next year, Jeter's the only one that I think will even clear 10%. There are a couple guys that might have a shot at staying on the ballot, like Bobby Abreu. He might be able to get 5%. He has a lot of hits and a very sabermetric-friendly case. If If Mike Messina gets in this year, I think it'll really help Larry Walker next year. Um, there'll be more spots on ballots, obviously, if we have another four-man class this year. Um, but I think the fact that it's only Derek Dieter coming on next year will definitely really help him. How does the, uh, in terms of Edgar Martinez, and I, and I know it's a different voting system, it's to be different from how the Harold, Harold Baines, Baines got in. Yeah. How does Harold Baines getting into the Hall of Fame now because of the committee that voted him in does that have anything to do or can help Edgar in, in his quest to get to the Hall of Fame? I think it could. Um, I don't know if we've really seen any of that so far. A lot of the people who have changed their mind on Edgar, I think, might have already been set on doing that before the Harold Baines decision. I think there's been a little bit of that that maybe Baines' decision has helped people change their mind on Edgar. Um, I, I think there's been a little bit of that. I think a lot of, a lot of it is Edgar's right on the doorstep last year, only 4.5% away. This is last year. There's a groundswell of support for him from everybody in Seattle and the Northwest and really across the country at this point to try and get him inducted this year. And I think it definitely didn't hurt that Harold Means got inducted for his case. I think there's a little bit of an effect that it might help him. Yeah. Anthony Calamus, again, everybody in our business uses bbhoftracker.com. It's a resource that we go to regularly. You guys do a great job of compiling all the ballots that are out there, and we'll be watching right up until the announcement on Tuesday. One more question for you, really, before we let you go, and that's, you, you've got Messina at 82 yep. point whatever. 1%, yeah. 0.1%. How much 
of and in yearly analysis, how much do do you think changes something like that with the ballots that are still out there coming back to 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 where it would be where he falls enough that he doesn't get in? In other words, what's been your what's been your experience in past years with guys that look like, hey, look, they're trending real well, and then all of a sudden all these ballots that are still out right. there that they don't reveal how they voted, you know, winds up hurting a guy. I think the I've only been helping for the last couple of years following this is the fourth year that I'm following along. I wanna say the highest I've seen a candidate the polling where they missed is in the upper 70s. Last year, Messina dropped 6.5%, though, from the time of the announcement. He was at 70% when the announcement happened, and he dropped to a final percentage of 63.5%. So for him specifically, he sees one of the bigger drops between public percentage and private percentage. So I would say he wants to say around the 81 and a half mark or even higher would be better to have a, to be, to feel pretty good about his chances on Tuesday. So, so we're going to so, sweat so, it out. Yeah. So, so, hey. so maybe we don't have to sweat it out as yeah. much. <laughs> right. Hey, Anthony, thank you for taking the time for us this morning, man. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Anthony Calamus, Baseball Hall of Fame tracker. And look, again, I – I, it really does feel like we're going to go into that announcement on Tuesday not knowing. You, like, you know, you've known me a long time. Yeah. Do you know how close I want to, I am to just saying to everybody, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> you've been a, you know, you've been a, a guy that's believed in Mike Messina as a Hall of Famer for, for some time. Yeah. Um, like from the day he retired. Yeah. From the, from the day he stopped playing baseball. I knew he was a hall. But and I think what what you speak to is more what maybe there weren't I don't know the people that weren't either in Baltimore or in the AL East mm-hmm. that can speak to the things that you can speak to, which is the dude legitimately went out there every fifth day, put his you know what on the line and stared down the best pitchers in baseball in these difficult situations for good teams for his entire career and again, you can throw out 300 wins, you can throw out whatever you want to throw out. I watched it. I, I wa- saw it. Well, that's the thing. I have the eye test for right. it. And I watched it. I watched the early part of his career. I saw 92 through 94 where I saw bullpens below leads for that man yep. repeatedly with the Orioles. Sure. And uh, so so if you want to talk about 300 wins and whatever that means to you. Yeah, Armando Benitez did a few of those. Yeah. You know, the tail end as well. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, and, and actually that cost the Orioles a chance to go to the World Series. No question. No so. question. Look, I'm with you. Um, I'm, of course, a believer that Mike Messina should be a Hall of Famer, and I, it'll be interesting to see. Again, this is the one sort of thing that remains in doubt going into Tuesday right, right. now when they make the announcement. We already know three of the names. But the that 82.1% of what he is telling us right, is that's, true, that's, that's a pretty good indicator. That's a good number right now. Right that's now, a good number yeah. right now. Now, if we get to Tuesday morning... Mm-hmm. And like tomorrow, a bunch of ballots come out, and that number is more at like eighty percent. Then, then you have you're going to gonna sweat be, yep, bit, yeah. you're going to be sweating going into Tuesday yeah. afternoon. Um, uh, uh, one other, one thing, real quick for you, you brought up the Harold Baines thing. You know, Ginsburg referenced that. Mm-hmm. Now he didn't. He said he thought that he would have voted for Edgar Martinez anyway, but he did reference that the Baines thing made it easier to vote for Edgar Martinez. Yeah. Because, look, if this guy's a Hall of Famer, then this guy's definitely a Hall of Famer. To me, I've always had the opinion that if you're going to vote for David or 
I, I mean, say this the right way. If you're a voter and you plan to vote for David Ortiz, right? Well, you can't use DH as the reason why you don't vote for Edgar Martinez. You're absolutely right. And, you know, here's the bottom line for all of those people that say, well, he never had a glove on his hand. Right. DH became part of this equation it works. back in 1973 yep. with Ron Bloomberg. I'm not saying every great DH uh, should be no, in the Hall of no, Fame, but no. the, the greatest of the greatest. Right. You know, because Tommy Davis played here. We got a chance to see that as well, you know. But Harold Baines, and again, this comes back to for you and me probably, more the eye test yep. than anything else. Yep. And I know Russo and Tony LaRussa had a no, big— No, they went after they, it. They yeah. went after it, yeah. you know. Well, LaRussa managed Baines when he was in Chicago. And the other thing that everybody forgets about Harold Baines, and, and you have to really rack your brain and you really have to be an avid baseball fan to realize this, is that when Harold Baines came up, he was a hell of an outfielder before the knees. It was a knees, knee thing, right? Before yeah. the knees gave yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. And then he, the other thing that like I'll say about Harold Baines, he, when you had to go to him as a pinch hitter, yeah. was always reliable. Like yeah. for He was the one guy that could sit on the bench all game, and, and when you needed a spot, if he wasn't in the lineup that day, he could deliver for you no matter what. Right, was, and, I, and I think that's part of the other test when we talk about you know the committee that you know, selected Harold to be in a Hall of Fame is the fact that when you talk about players who played against him, yeah, sure, and people that managed against yeah, they, him, they knew his value. They knew that you didn't want to see Harold Baines late in the game. It's reasonable. Hey, right there in my hot hands, if you're with us on Facebook Live, you see the new print edition of Press Box. It is our Best of Baltimore Sports edition on the cover. Our co-sports persons of the year, Jarris Lyles and Ryan Odom from UMBC. What did those guys ever do? I know. Jesus. Um, but Ask the, Tony Bennett. Yeah, seriously. Last team, <laughs> last team that beat Virginia. Yeah. Last team to have won a game against Virginia. Um, we also honored 60 other categories in our Best of Baltimore Sports Edition. It's available for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations where PressBox can be found. And PressBoxOnline.com slash best of is our vanity link. You for know it. what the best part of that upset was? Is that now people can never say on television or radio, well, no one has ever beaten a 16. I, I said it when it. <laughs> I, it would no have been, 16's ever beaten a one. I would have been giddy had it been like Eastern Washington. Yeah. Just to have oh, seen yes. it, right? The Just fact that there. it was UMBC. Jesus. Oh, my God. All right. When we come back in, Greg Bader from the Baltimore Orioles is going to join us. And uh, we will talk to him about Fan Fest next Saturday. It's the Bat Around. Glenn, Stan, Brittany on a Saturday morning. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. All Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. Chick-fil-A on Sundays? With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays. They're perfect for tailgating, birthdays, or office parties. 
Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KOO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for for 30 solid seconds, and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. The bat around, Glenn Clark, Craig Heist. Yeah, if you ever insult me like I know, me, I'm so again. sorry. I called you Stan <laughs> the fan. I'm, I apologize. Of course, I love Stan, but I... Well, we I, all do, yeah, but... Uh, Brittany I, Everett here I with us as well. I call you Stan. I know, and I appreciate that. Uh, talking baseball on a Saturday morning, enjoying the conversation. Uh, have had a few people chime in on the Mike Messina thing. We'll talk more about that as the hour goes along. Dan Connolly from The Athletics still to join us on this Saturday morning. But right now, uh, coming up this coming Saturday, so one week from today, of course, the, uh, the biggest moment of the Orioles offseason. It's a day that you mark on your calendar every year to head down to the Baltimore Convention Center for Orioles Fan Fest. Joining us to tell us all about that. Orioles VP of Communications, Mr. Greg Bader, is with us here on the Bat Around. Greg, it's uh, Glenn and Craig Heist. It's good to talk to you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, fellas, no problem. Uh, happy Saturday. Yeah. Uh, before, uh, the, the week before uh, uh, summer begins at FanFest. And, and obviously, look, I, you know, I, don't re- I guess you don't really need to plug FanFest because everybody knows what FanFest is, but... I guess let's talk about what's new, what's different, what's changed this year, and I guess the most important thing is it's going to be the first opportunity for most fans to to be right in front of a new general manager and a new manager. Exactly right. That's what I was going to lead with. Uh, Brandon Hyde and and Mike Elias are essentially being introduced uh, directly to the fans for the first time. They'll be uh, taking part in a couple of fan forums. Uh, Brandon's part of an autograph session. Uh, they'll be around throughout the event, and uh, it'll be a great opportunity to hear about their vision. Um, Sig Meidel and uh, Kobe Perez are also in a, uh, in a forum to talk about how we're using analytics throughout baseball operations now, so that I think will be of a lot of interest to our fans. And we'll also have a lot of events um, uh, throughout that are that are brand new, such as uh, such as a immersible, uh, kind of Instagrammable. A uh, series of rooms um, to appeal to uh, to those folks who are really savvy with social media. We've got a bubble gum room. We've got a baseball card room. 
kind of modeled off of uh, of the ice cream museum that was super popular uh, uh, in the digital sphere um, uh, recently. So there's all kinds of things to do. Uh, we have some tried and true favorites as well. Kids press conferences are always a big hit as as the kids get asked no get to ask the questions. We've got a photo booth area. Uh, we've got Eddie Murray, uh, Brooks Robinson, and Jim Palmer all in one place. Uh, that's always a great day. So, um, yeah, we, we certainly encourage fans to come on out. It's going to be a, a great time at the Baltimore Convention Center on uh, next Saturday. Let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, fans will remember what happened last year, and they're looking for the positives for this year with a new regime in place. Uh, how much of what this new regime brings to the table, Greg, uh, how, how much of what they're doing right now are the fans going to be excited about? Gosh, I, I, we've heard everything. I mean, our, our, the feedback we're getting this off season, um, coming off, you know, a, a really disappointing 115 loss season, um, has been nothing but positive. One of the most positive responses we've received from fans, because I think they see, uh, the right people are being put in the right place to to lead us into kind of this next generation of of Baltimore Orioles. Um, we're going to be using analytics. We're going to be uh, being extraordinarily um, uh, careful to, to to look at all aspects of each of our minor league players as they come through our system and and, and start to develop them. And what's great is you know with, between Mike and 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 Kobe and and Sig and Brandon. They're all on the same page in terms of exactly what um, we need to do to, to bring this organization back to its winning ways. And, you know, some of the most fun seasons, I think, um, that, that I've personally had as a fan, and I think fans have had over the years, is, are these seasons where not much is expected, and, and you're just looking to see yep. uh, progress and see players develop. And you, you start the season with maybe lower expectations, but they can often be well surpassed thinking about 1989, 30 years ago, thinking about 2012. Um, uh, uh, th- those were both, you know, really tremendous seasons. And who knows what's on the horizon? I mean, we, you know, the Atlanta Braves last year got, got much better quicker than, than anybody had ever anticipated. So we're looking forward to the season. Um, no expectations as far as, you know, setting a, a number of wins or, or uh, you know, things like that. We just want to see progress. We want to see players develop. We want to see young talent come into the system at all levels and, and then begin to develop that talent. Well, so you, you, I think it's an exciting time. You know, you, you bring up an, an excellent point and something I said to Glenn earlier in the show, which was everybody remembers – 89 in the why not season after 107 loss season and an 0 21 start to the year before that and then they go right down to the wire with the blue jays for the american league's eastern division title and you know the one thing that glenn brought out was that you know you if you look at this roster right now you know chris davis does he rebound you have dylan bundy uh in this starting rotation to go with cobb and to go with cashner uh, there are There's actual major league players. There, there are on this actually roster, major yes. league players right. on this roster. Where maybe in the past you couldn't have said that. No, it's it's it, it is an interesting situation. I mean, last year it was kind of right out of the gate. Everything that could go wrong went wrong from the outset, and 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 by the end of April, you felt like you were out of it. It was going to be real hard to claw your way back in, despite your best efforts. And pretty much every player was having a down year. Um, so, you know, obviously coming into this year, we're, we're hoping to get off to a better start, um, hoping everything gels more. And uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, the, these, are, these are a lot of major league players with, with strong track records and, and some young guys that, that 
had uh, you know better years prior to last year, um, and and we're hoping that they all do rebound and click. And uh, you know we're certainly not done this off season. I don't know what what Mike's plans are for the remainder of of, of player acquisitions, but I'm sure there's going to be other uh, players infused into the into the major league roster and and into the minor league system that will play a significant role with the with the 2019 team. So. Again, it's an exciting time. Um, I'm I'm glad because uh, I'm confident that Mike and Brandon will be able to explain to our fans exactly right. what they're doing and why they're doing it. And um, this is really the first time face to face they'll have that opportunity. Of course, talking about Fan Fest next Saturday at the Baltimore Convention Center. Greg Bader from the Baltimore Orioles is with us on the bat around. Greg, I wanted to follow up on what you were talking about because I completely agree. I think that overwhelmingly this fan base has said, "Hey, look, we see a path. We see." Um, an idea, a concept, and we are willing to get on board with it. Uh, I don't think you guys have to oversell it because I think the fan base genuinely does see what it is. There's direction, and I think they like that. Um, And I think that's combined with other things that have happened off of the field. And I've talked a lot about this that we've said big thumbs up to, and I think one of the most recent ones, and I I have to admit I got shut out, so I'm going to be doing the begging and, uh, and, uh, and trying to trade or barter with somebody to get some tickets, but the announcement of Billy Joel coming to the ballpark this year and going that path as a ball club and saying, hey, we're going to do something we've never done before. I think the fan base is genuinely excited about that, even though clearly uh, Billy Joel playing a concert is not going to give you guys any more wins this season. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but I, I get your point, which is that people are seeing that's kind of a, a new way of, of doing business um, uh, off the field, uh, which can translate to the excitement of, of what's going to be happening potentially on the field. Um, so people uh, recognize a, a, a new direction, uh, you know, We've been adding musical acts throughout the last few years uh, at a smaller scale. Now we're dipping our toe into, um, well, I guess we're diving head first to some extent with this huge major concert that we've, the first time we've ever done one at Camden Yards, which I think will be hopefully the first of many. And, um, you know, the Kids Cheer Free initiative last year, all of these new theme nights that some other cities have done um, that we've now brought to the ballpark, uh, Bark at Oriole Park and LGBT Night and star wars night you know we've really been trying to diversify our our entertainment and that's been a you know something where i think fans have noticed and um again yeah we we're we're as excited on the inside of the building as i know um as i know the fans are outside greg i know one of the things you guys have always tried to do is each and every year uh there seems to be a new tweak to the yard uh Mm. what can we expect this year is there anything new and exciting for the fans at camden yards yeah, we're we're a little early to start making those announcements. I will tell you, we definitely continue to look to expand a lot of these local food offerings that we brought in last year. Oh, and I got to I, to, I got yeah. to tell you, as a, as a guy who grew up in Essex, went to Kenwood High School, the Pizza John's uh, experience <laughs> last me? year. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say that. Been, I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> that might have been the best thing in the twenty five years that that place has been open. <laughs> Well, Perfect. you can finally get a pizza you really want to eat. Yes. Uh, so that's what we were really excited about Pizza John's because I mean, obviously, anybody who had been there uh, to their flagship restaurant before they 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 knew how great it was. It was kind of a, a secret for those of us that had had gotten to try it. But but um, yeah, that was one of the most popular things we we brought. Of course, you know, Atman's being there as well was was huge, um, and and a, a variety of um, you know smaller local vendors as well. We're going to be doing more of that. Um, continuing with uh, you know so, some new things that are for Birdland members, we've actually we're doing food and and concessions discount for our season plan holders. 
for the very first time ever. So um, depending on what membership level you have, you'll get anywhere from 15 to 20% off your food and beverage, which just is one more way to save um, as, as a member of, of the Orioles. So that's a, a great opportunity for, for fans. Um, we'll have some, some new things to share in the coming weeks as well, um, but uh, don't want to get too far out in front of those announcements. Well, Craig, Craig's just trying to get you to break some news here. He's, he's putting <laughs> his, that's, his, that's his journalist hat on. That's what he does. Um, that's let, right. I, I, Greg, just to let me clarify, I know there, there was some disappointment from people about uh, Annapolis and trying to play a game there, and you guys weren't able to find an opponent. That, that partnership is going to continue in some form, correct? You are correct. We are disappointed as well. Um, uh, the Naval Academy has been fantastic uh, to, to work with through this. They were, they were very understanding, uh, all, thing, all things considered, uh, because we were gearing up to hope to do that exhibition in 2019. We are very, very optimistic it will take place in 2020 in Annapolis. We've got several MLB teams interested, um, and we, we think we'll be able to lock that down. Uh, we do have a you know really robust partnership with them outside of that. We're going to be bringing over a thousand midshipmen to the ballpark for a celebrate Navy Day, giving cool. away an Orioles Navy themed cap to fans. That's going to be later this year. Uh, working out those details now. Uh, Army Navy baseball is going to be a thing at Camden Yards whenever it can be scheduled. Unfortunately, this year the NCAA schedule and the MLB schedule kind of conflicted, so we couldn't make that happen. But uh, Navy and Army both are very enthusiastic about having that be a, a regular thing at Camden Yards as we debuted that in 2018. So hopefully that'll, again, pick back up in 2020. So, yeah, our relationship with Navy is very, very strong, and that will be you know something that goes on for, for many years. It is something we have seen all sports teams and organizations do, Greg, and that's, you know, the, 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 the appreciation for the military and, and what it means to, you know, the veterans and everything. And, and, and I think that's the way this has gone over the last say at least five to ten years that I know of is that more and more teams go out of their way to recognize the military well and and in our case you know it's we've got Fort Meade we've got Aberdeen Proven Grounds we've got Naval Academy so there's there's these um there's these very authentic relationships that can be built um and uh, and and a lot of uh, opportunities for us to give back um, uh, to to those folks who you know risk their lives for 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 us. Um, so I, I think it is you know a a, a really great uh, opportunity for for us to highlight the great work that that uh, that that those folks do, and um, and we'll certainly continue to do that moving forward. All right, if I can pose a hypothetical, only because it's a topic we've been discussing this morning. Look, I know the Orioles are going to be really super excited if Mike Messina gets the Hall of Fame call on Tuesday, right? No like doubt. It's, it's going to be an amazing no moment. We've been hypothetically discussing, like, do you do a statue? Do you do a, you know, a number retired out on the, the, the Hall of Fame plaza there on Utah Street? Have you guys been thinking about that type of stuff and what might happen if Mike Messina goes in on Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, I think there's certainly been those, those conversations. Um, you know, there's, there's only been six uh, players to ever go into the Hall of Fame as Orioles. So I think we're certainly curious – as to what Mike's plans are, and those plans are not shared with with clubs or the league or the Hall of Fame uh, prematurely. None of that is discussed. But you know, I think we're we're curious to see uh, if Mike goes in as an Oriole, and then you know, let let the conversations begin at that point. Um, uh, you know, Mike's you know one of the greatest pitchers in Orioles history, and we yep. would of course be thrilled to see uh, to see him make the Hall of Fame. He's well deserving. Um, I would be, I think, speaking for many many people to say we'd be disappointed. If he fell short, he's, he's certainly uh, 
has the numbers and, and was one of the greatest pitchers throughout the 90s. He's waited long enough. It's time. Let's yeah, do it. Five right? years. Yeah, let's, yeah. Make it, let's make it happen. Well, you know, and that's the thing. If it doesn't happen this year, there's four it's, more opportunities. Yeah, it's going to happen. There's no doubt. Yeah, he, w- he, there, he will certainly get in at some point. It's, I think it is a question of whether it's this year, uh, which will be close. It'll be a very close vote, it appears, or, uh, or next year. He is Greg Bader, VP of Communications for the Orioles. Again, Orioles Fan Fest next Saturday at the Baltimore Convention Center. You can get your tickets right now. And autograph voucher tickets also went on sale this week, correct? They did, and we have uh, some still available. Some sessions have completely sold out, but there are some sessions available. You can just go to orioles.com slash fanfest. And, and just a reminder that all of the proceeds from those autograph vouchers uh, go to uh, Orioles uh, uh, Charities and the Orioles Foundation. Wonderful. Hey, uh, Greg, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Stay warm this weekend. Uh, stay dry as well. And uh, we'd love to do this. I, I'm going to be reaching out. I'd love to do this more regularly during the course of the season. We would be thrilled to do that and uh, look forward to speaking with you guys again and, and, uh, and seeing you out at FanFest in a week. Absolutely. Thank you, Greg. Take care, guys. Greg Bader, uh, Vice President of Communications for the Baltimore Orioles. Joining you know what us I here. would like to see them do out there? What's that? At Camden Yards is a 50-50 raffle. Oh, you know what? I, who doesn't love we, a 50-50 raffle? Right. I mean, like, it's, it is and – and typically the way it works is – Caps, Caps, yeah. uh, Caps uh, Sabres game. Yeah. On, I think, the 15th or so of December. Yeah. Did you really? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. What'd you win? Hmm? How much did you win? Uh, when it was all said and done, about $6,200. Dude. Dude. How much money have you spent on 50-50 tickets in your life? Did it, huh? did it, did it equal? Did Have you spent $6,000 no, of the money on 50-50 no, no, tickets? No, no, no. That's... Um, I'm I'm un, not unlike Stan the fan, or maybe even yourself, I mean, or you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I enjoy dabbling. Well, dabbling of course, yes. I enjoy dabbling I, reasonably. I'm not. I don't have a problem. Right. But I enjoy dabbling, and I who doesn't love a fifty-fifty? Right. Fit, like you come up to me and say, "Hey, you want to buy into the fifty-fifty? Uh, yeah, go yeah. ahead and sign me up. Like that's the way that that's right. going to work. Um, and they, they do them at Maryland basketball games as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Cubs have legendarily done fifty-fifties forever. Uh, when I was in Arizona, the Diamondbacks done them, did them. And look, typically there is a charity aspect to the 50-50 as well. Right, which is, and that's the reason we do it. Correct. There is a, typically a, hey, yes, 50%. There's, you know, I'm sure there's some profit involved, but... Well, sure there is, but I mean, you know, it goes to Monumental down the road. Correct. And, you it's know. a portion of the proceeds go right. to whatever charity that they have. Uh, you know, be the Orioles charities, as Greg just mentioned, the autograph. I'd love for them to introduce yeah. a 50. I'd love for them to introduce yeah. a 50-50. I'm a big fan. Well, I didn't know that. That's really yeah, cool. That's, that's really cool, cool that you won the 50-50. All right, uh, a few people have chimed in this morning. Uh, oh, you know what? You want to tell everybody about Costa Sin before I talk about sure, that? Sure, why not? Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I know this is basically where you spend literally every moment of every day. Well, not really, but, uh, you know. When you're not at a ballpark or at When I'm arena, not at a ballpark. Yeah. Well, and here's the reason. Uh, when the Ravens first came to town, okay, Stan and I did a show on Wednesday nights, a Ravens show on Wednesday nights, okay. live from the bar. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sin. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And that's how I got to meet Nick Triantafilos. One of the kindest human beings that has ever lived. That's ever lived, right. And his brother Pete. Yep. Obviously, uh, the, the entire Triantafilos family is just fabulous. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But uh, Costa's in at 4100 North Point Boulevard. You can go over there. They've got great specials throughout the week. Crab cake night on Monday night. Uh, ribs on Tuesday night. Uh, steak night on Wednesday. Lobster on Thursday. Uh Daily specials on the menu. You just can't get bad food. Live entertainment. One of my favorites. Guy I went to school with at Kenwood. 
Rick Oliger and the Rat Pack on a Friday, every Friday, first Friday of every month. So just go down, have yourselves a great time. They treat you like family. The food is out out of sight. It's 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costa Sin. Look, I've been trying to eat healthy, but I <clears throat> I had a, some crab dip from Costa Sin recently. Yeah. I ate a little bit more than I needed to. Yeah. I ate a little bit more than I needed to that day because it's just so effing good. <laughs> it's so good. By the way, this is a nerdy thing for me. Like, uh, I listen to a lot of radio. I'm a radio junkie before I became part of this business. Why part right, of the reason yeah. why I got into the business, right? That's why we're all here. Um I love when I know that someone that's doing a read is doing it genuinely, mm-hmm. and when you can tell how genuine it is versus just a read that's been put in front of you that you have to do. And so I kind of got that nerdy feeling listening to you do that Costas read <laughs> right. right then, because with, that's with nothing in front nothing of me. in front of you. That's literally Craig Heist who actually hangs out at Costas Inn. Yeah, like that's not him just telling you to go there because they bought a sponsorship. It's Craig Heist would tell you to go there if you bumped into him on a Thursday. Sure. He would say, hey, by the way, you should go to the Costas Inn. And right. it's a completely genuine hey, look, thing. I've, and I I've, agree. I've had friends in town where I've taken them to the Costas Inn for crabs. And you just get s- treated. like Absolutely. I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to throw shade at any place specifically, but there are plenty of places where you walk in and they do not give a rat's ass that you are there. <laughs> all you are is a credit card. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all you are. That's the reason for your existence. At the end of the night, you're going to give them a card and you're going to pay. When you walk into the Costas Inn, it's like you're being treated like a client. Yeah. You're being treated like, like someone. Like, for instance, I'll walk in, and the first thing Nick will say is, oh, my God. Yeah, this a-hole's here. No, yeah. secu- security. Yeah, where the- Yeah, get him out. Right. <laughs> no, they treat you like family at the Costas Inn. It's genuine. Yes. It is. You, you can't walk in there without feeling like you're at a very special place. Right. Um, and uh, I've always appreciated I would uh, recommend the, uh, the cream of crab soup at the Costas Inn. It is ungodly perfect yeah and if izzy's running the kitchen or doug is running the kitchen the oyster stew at this time of the year is just out of outstanding sight. outstanding all right so i got a few responses in our question today what should the orioles do and by the way based on listening to to, to greg bader's answer mm-hmm. it does sound like it's going to matter what's on mike messina's cap Sure. When he goes in the Hall of Fame. Oh, there's but no question a, about that it. It's a difference. If he goes in with an Oreo on his cap, that smells more like they'd be willing to consider some of the highest honors that they offer. And I'm not saying that's what he said. Right, and I was going to bring this up again to Greg, is that it's not up to Mike, right, really. Right, and I've had know. a couple of people. So, for example, yeah. uh, Paul got in this morning and said he grew up in the Orioles organization, was drafted twice by them. I forgot about yeah. that, and had his best years with them. I'll be disappointed if he chooses not to wear an Orioles hat in the Hall of Fame. Again, it's not his choice. Right. That's the Hall of Fame's decision. Right. They make that decision, and they reserve the right to say, too difficult a choice, we're not going. Now, I think the reason why people are thrown off by this, remember once upon a time, Wade Boggs asked the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. to put a Rays hat on him. Right. Because of the relationship that he had with the Rays, and he wanted to represent that in the Hall of Fame, which was absurd because, are you kidding me? Wade Boggs is right. going to go on to the Hall of Fame. With all those a, years with the Red Sox and then with winning the Yankees, a World Series yes. with the Yankees after yeah. that. Like, the, it was the third most significant organization. He did get his 3,000th hit, right? As a, as a Ray. Ray. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but outside of that, it was absurd to suggest that Wade Boggs should be in the Hall of Fame as a Ray. But he had a business relationship, and he was going to be the first Ray in the Hall of Fame, and it was a big deal having the Tampa Bay Rays in the Hall of Fame, and he wanted that. So he asked for that. 
and the players can offer input into the process right. and say, "Hey, I'd like I believe if I remember right, Randy Johnson asked to go in as a Diamondback, but because he continued to have a relationship with the Diamondbacks, he had won a World Series with Diamondbacks, that guys can ask that of the Hall of Fame. It's still the Hall of Fame's decision what goes on the plaque. And sometimes there are just too many teams or too much too difficult of a decision and they say uh, you know, there's going to be nothing. It's just going to be an empty cap on your Hall of right. Fame plaque. And I wouldn't. I don't s- think that happens in this case. I think he goes in as an Oriole, and I would think that uh, Mr. Idelson up at the Hall of Fame would right. uh, certainly uh, would agree to that. Yeah, it's an interesting right. Like it's an interesting conundrum because I get it's the Yankees on the other side, mm-hmm. right? Like it's yeah. a, one of the most significant organizations in all of American sports. But and, do, they, and do the Yankees need another Hall of Famer? Well, that's like, the do they need exactly. another? Yeah, right. Exactly. Where would Mike Messina rank in Yankee? The list of all-time Yankees Hall of Famers, like fortieth. You so, know yeah, what I mean? Somewhere like in that somewhere area. in that neighborhood. Yeah. Like, come on, come yeah. on. Um, but yeah, he says uh, if if he goes in as an Oriole, he deserves a statue just like the rest out there, in my opinion. If he goes in as a Yankee, screw him. <laughs> Uh, Kevin chimed in, and again, I, I, this this group of this group of the population, the, the Orioles fan base, very much exists. Kevin, I, uh, the question is, what should the Orioles do? He says nothing. He's a Yankee. Like that that yeah. that population of the Orioles fan base is still very real, and is something that they have to consider as they make whatever decision they end up making. Very real, but also very irrational. I agree with that. <laughs> I'm I am with you on this, Heisty. But they, the Orioles, do have to think about the fact that there are Orioles fans. Mm-hmm that still have a grudge towards Mike Messina. Clearly, it didn't uh, impact the Orioles uh, putting Mike Messina in their own Hall of Fame but and having a weekend fan, But arm. what these fans also have to realize is that Mike had very little to do I, with that. I agree. I agree. You know? Right. If the if the owner at that time of this ball club, and he still does own it technically... He's just not making... He's the, not making any decisions right. anymore. But if, if the owner of this club would have... Done right by him, giving him market value. Market value, and also considering the fact that he took a discount to stay here on a three-year deal. Correct. And this, this, the owner says, "I'll never give a pitcher five years." And then they turn around and give Scott Erickson five years. Why would I pay a pitcher? He only plays every fifth day. So again, and and when we talk about Tom Glavin, who was the head of the players' union at the time. Uh, he winds up saying, you know, he, he blasted Mike for taking that below market value contract to stay in Baltimore. Uh, correct. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so he didn't really have him. A, at that point, he really he couldn't go back to the Players Association and say, well, I'm going to do it again. Right. Like that would have been, uh, it would have been absolutely unacceptable within that brotherhood for him to have done the same thing the second time. Exactly. So, um, no, I, and you know, that's the reason why I don't hold any of that against Mike Messina. To me, Mike Messina is an all-time great Oriole. And again, think about somebody of my generation, Craig. Like I, I was a month old when the Orioles won the World Series in 1983. My greatest Orioles memories as a child were, were those 96, 97 teams, and right. 95 obviously with 21, 31. Like that, that 95 to 97 stretch as a kid was what meant the absolute most to me. In my formulative years as an Orioles fan. Now, obviously, we've all been able to enjoy 2012 and 2014 and 2016 since then. But in my formulative years, 
the most important Orioles teams that existed were from 95 to 97, and Mike Messina was a central figure to those most important teams. So I, I hold Mike Messina in a level of reverence, you know, that's unique because mm-hmm. of where it lined up with my childhood. Yeah, and and I I get that, and it's it's funny because I covered him the whole time he was here, right? So I had the eye test from from well, day, and obviously from day you still one. saw him a boatload. I saw him a boatload afterwards. I I forged a pretty good relationship. I was one of the very few in right. the media at that time that forged a fairly decent relationship with yep. him, uh, and and a lot of people didn't. You know, so maybe I'm skewed that way. Which is odd because everybody in this town is still friends Mm -hmm. with his brother. Yeah. Right? Like, it's really really funny how that's worked out over the years. Like, Mike was not as close with everybody, but yet everyone in this town. Knows Mark. In fact, Mark was going to try to chime in with us this morning, but uh, Mark is taking his daughters to uh, Broadway this weekend and... Dodging snow in New York. And you know, stuff like ever that. since he's gotten out of this business, you know, the, yes. the sports broadcasting yes. business, other than maybe some high school games in, in Pennsylvania, right, right, right. Montoursville, he's gotten a little bit more culture. <laughs> almost <laughs> well, almost to the point where it's scary. Well, it's it's kind of great. So I don't know. Uh, remember, I did those shows from Hooters yeah. uh, a couple summers ago. And one at Stunner, I bumped into Mark Messina to Hooters. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I was doing my show from Hooters one Friday afternoon. And, and Heisty actually stopped by for a couple of these as well. But one Friday afternoon, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, someone comes up from behind me and like, puts me in a chokehold, mm-hmm. and it is Mark Messina. Right. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And right. he was like, ah, I was just in town. I stopped by. I'm going to go to the game tonight. And then he said, hey, um, my movie's about to come out. I'm like, your movie? What the F are you talking about, your movie? And Mark Messina is a scriptwriter. Like, he's the screenwriter now. He wrote an actual Hollywood movie with like major movie stars that right. were in it. A few years ago, um, that got the, the the screens and had success. And I was talking to him this week. He's like, "I'm working on another project. Got something that I feel pretty good about." I'm like, "What a what a wild turn for Mark Messina that like he's gone from you know hosting talk shows and doing sports radio to now being a movie writer right. in his life. Like it is a. Well, I got to tell you a, a story. Uh, Mike comes back to be inducted into the Orioles Hall. Okay, theme. yeah. And I take an elevator ride up to the club level during the game. And uh, he says to me, he says, make sure Jaina, his wife, mm-hmm. he says, make sure Jaina gets your address. I said, she already has my info and everything. He said, oh, she's good because I have something for you, but I forgot to bring it down. And, uh, it, it uh, you know, I'll just mail it to you. And I said, okay. So 10 days go by. I get this box in the mail. And uh, it, there's a baseball in it, in a case, in in, in okay, in, you know, in a protective case, and it's signed by him on the top of the case, not the ball, but the top of the okay. case. There's a card with it, and on the card is just a picture of him and Molina, which was basically by the time at the end of the career, that was his personal catcher, yeah. going off the field together and you open up the card and it says no one man's accomplishments can be achieved without the help of others and he says thanks for everything mike wow you know wow and the baseball is number 14 of game ball used number 14 of his 20 win season the final, wow. the final year. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so, that is so. And, I, cool. and I, I'm just sitting there. I'm looking at that. And I go, you know, 
who does that? Wow. You know? Wow. Seriously. Wow, that is cool. Oh, my gosh. That is so cool, Heisty. That, uh, that's so, a great story, man. So. That is a great story. Look, I yeah, you know how I feel about Mike Messina. Yeah. I don't I don't have that. No, but, 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 but I, I mean, he's a you know. Uh, real quick, a couple more that came in this morning from Chris. Well, I'm sorry. I got a little bit of an allergy thing. I yeah, I'm so, we're all fighting it. It's the time of the year. It's what it is. Um, from Chris, Chris says, Glenn, the Orioles should do just about everything. I think your uh, point earlier that maybe the statue is one step too far, I might agree with. I think you hold that out for guys that played the majority of their careers in Baltimore, but I still think that you do everything else for Mike Messina. And that's legit. I have no trouble with that. I think that, to me, is the most... Look, if they if they put one of the statues up for Mike Messina, I'm not going to be angry about it. Of course you know, like, not. Why would I be angry? That would be silly to be angry about right. it. Right. It'd be so But I, I, I would agree that the number should be retired. Right. If you want to say, hey, look, we're going to delineate that the statues are for guys who spent 10 years or mm-hmm. a X percent of their career in Baltimore and ended up in the Hall of Fame. Right. That's, that's going to be our, our delineation. If you spent two-thirds of your career... I just figure out percentage wise what it was for Eddie Murray because he'd sort of and I guess Frank too. You'd have to think about those two guys and figure out what the percentage number was they spent of their career in Baltimore and say that's that's the number. If you spend that percent of your career in Baltimore, then we'll give you a statue. Mm-hmm. And you want to set that precedent for it? I can understand that because somebody would say, by the way, Harold Baines spent a lot of time here too. Yeah, he did. You really gonna put a statue up for Harold no. Baines? Like, no, I I don't think there's any ar- I don't think there's even an argument about like doing the number thing for Harold Baines. But let's not pretend like Harold Baines didn't spend like he spent a good chunk of time in Baltimore in his career. It was right. not Lee Smith who showed up for a year. Right, and and the time that Jim- he did spend here are part of those years that you were referring Absolutely, to. Absolutely, right. Know? Like good times. Right. He was part of a playoff team. He was here for 21-31. You know, like Harold Baines was in Baltimore yeah, for You know, and it was funny. By, by the time they went out and got Eddie Murray in 96 right. for the stretch drive, keep in mind that team was 50-51 and 51 at That's the beginning point. of August. That's a great point. Uh, to go all the way home to win the wild card. Yeah, had it not been yeah. for some dope, they would have gone to the, the World yeah, Series well, that yeah. year. Had it not been for some a But you know kid. what? Uh, you know, again – some perspective here too on that. While we all hate Jeffrey Mayer, yes, I'm not changing my mind about that. No, we we, you know, we all no matter hate what Jeffrey. the next sentence is. Trust me, I'm still <laughs> going to hate Jeffrey Mayer. I want to exactly. make that very clear. You can say whatever you want to say here, right. Heisty. The next sentence is going to be, "I hate Jeffrey Mayer." Exactly. But they do win game two. Oh, and then yeah, they, I mean, and then they right. come home. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, and they up, lose right. three in no, a row. No, you're right about that. You know. I still hate Jeffrey Sorry. Mayer. <laughs> it's not going. That part's not going to change. Um, yeah, Harold Baines, seven years, Mike Messina, ten years. It's yeah. not, like, that crazy. Now, I know that Harold Baines, like, it didn't play f- seven full seasons because he arrived. He was a, a trade the second time. But still, seven years is not – that's right. a good, healthy amount of time for and, a guy that's going to the home. And the other part about what I was going to say about Eddie Murray being here in 96, by the time that year ended, one through nine in that lineup all had 20 or more home runs. That's right. That's absolutely right. Hmm? That uh, I a hundred percent remember that. Yep. And they'd also gotten Todd Zeal. Todd Zeal, Pete and Cabilia, Cabilia, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if you remember, there was a poster put out with all of them like this, holding bats. You know. Right. Uh, I do remember that. that absolutely. Picture, yeah. Absolutely. I remember. I think I had it on my wall. <coughs> um. You know what? I and by the way, thank you, Dave. Dave is going to point this out. He's going to crush my argument. Dave says, uh, Glenn, based on Frank Robinson, you would have to put Mike Messina in there. Frank Robinson didn't yeah, even play 50% of his career in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and he has a statue. Mike Messina played more than 50% of his career in Baltimore. If he goes in, he should get a statue as well. 
it, it, Dave's got a point, and I can't argue with it. He's got a point, but by the same token, uh, you're talking about two different errors, errors in the game. And while this team was a good team in 64, 65. Right, he uh, got them over the top when he arrived. When, I mean, if you ask Brooks or Davey Johnson or Boog Pally, yeah. then they'll say, we knew we were a good team, but when Frank Robinson came to right. this town – we became winners. And that might be what you say to outweigh things. Like, yes, right. sure. And when you stop to if consider you win two Frank's, World Series. Right. When you stop to consider Frank's six-year right. tenure here in Baltimore, right. there were four World Series appearances. That's a great point. And two, two titles. World Series. Yeah. Right. And really, there should have been four. Right. You know, the Mets in, in, in 69. No they doubt. lose in five. No doubt. And the Pirates 71. in 71. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean uh, that that might be the what outweighs, but it's Dave's point is well taken, which is and that's you, one of the reasons I hate you because I remember that and you weren't even well. Born I definitely yet. was not. I definitely <laughs> I was barely born in '83. Heisty, I was I know, barely I born in '83. Um, but that's a good point from Dave, which is if the precedent is what it is, then it's hard. Well, to, yeah, it is. You know, it's really hard to argue that Mike Messina wouldn't be deserving of that. I don't. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, when we come back in, Dan Connolly covers the Orioles for The Athletic and wrote a really lengthy piece about Brandon Hyde, and a really well-researched piece about Brandon Hyde, speaking to literally just about everyone on the planet that has known the new Orioles manager. So we're going to talk to uh, Dan Connolly about that and the Orioles in general and Hall of Fame voting, as he's a Hall of Fame voter as well. That's coming up. He's Craig Heist. I'm Glenn Clark. She's Brittany Everett. And Stan the Fan is not here. He's in Durham. This is the bat around. (laughs) Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local Turtle. Pressbox's annual Best of Baltimore Sports Double Issue is now available. Presented by Maryland Sports Commission. This issue recognizes UMBC basketball's Ryan Odom and Jarris Lyles as our local sportspersons of the year. Plus 60 more are in the spotlight as we look at the top people, performances, and moments of the year. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Section 336 here with all your Baltimore sports talk. The Raven season is now done. 
but the Orioles season is just ahead. We have a new GM. We have a new manager. We have a few new baseball players out there. Reason for optimism. I don't know if you can name any of those new players, and I think we won 40-some games last year. Yeah, but I remember a terrible year in 1988 where we were able to turn it around the very next year in 1989. Why not 2019? Yeah, why not? Why not check out Section 336 at Section336.com, Facebook, or on Twitter and iTunes as well. Just search for Section 336. What a sweet time to see our friend Steve at his Chick-fil-A restaurant in Nottingham Square. The chocolate milkshakes are the way they should be at Chick-fil-A, thick and chocolatey. But so is the peppermint chocolate chip milkshake, thick, chocolatey, and pepperminty. The strawberry milkshake is thick and very strawberry-y like it's supposed to be. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square also has frosted coffee and ice-cold vanilla shakes. Plus, there's a cookies and cream milkshake. Cookies and cream! The Chick-fil-A sandwich is the best. The waffle fries are amazing and at steve's chick-fil-a in nottingham square his folks come around to check on you if you dine in they refilled my drink for nothing the last time i was there do not leave hungry top off your next meal at chick-fil-a nottingham square with something sweet shakes cones and cookies all done the way you'd expect from chick-fil-a perfectly join chick-fil-a one and score points every time you order for free stuff our chick-fil-a is on campbell boulevard in the nottingham square shopping center I see this is a anniversary of a sad day in Orioles yeah, history. Yeah, it really is. And uh, it's the sixth anniversary of the death of the Earl of Baltimore, Earl Weaver. I always thought it was like poetic in a way that Earl passed away the weekend of FanFest. And on a cruise ship. <laughs> well, yeah. that's. But like, I just thought it was for Orioles fans to sort of be able to gather together that weekend and, and sort of you know, kind of share in that moment. I always thought there was something kind of poetic about Right. You know, like if if there was ever a time that you're going to lose Earl, like it was a, a time that Orioles fans could kind of get together and laugh and, and think about yeah. Earl. I thought it was sort of, a, you know, again, I it's a sad time whenever, but it's just something pretty about it, something poetic about it. There's something very poetic about it. And if you uh, have the Internet and most people do, uh, I suggest that you uh, go to YouTube and just, you know. Type in Earl Weaver, Bill oh. ha- Bill oh, Haller, yeah. yeah, and Bill Haller, and uh, or, well, I or, would suggest or, 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 Earl or, Weaver goes nuts. Uh, Earl Weaver, Tom Marr, and uh, Tomatoes would be the yeah, other well, one that, that would I would. One, yeah. I would suggest that, that was, you. That was a stage. I know, thing. but it's still one of the greatest it's pieces of audio in the history of humanity. Yes, especially Ellis. Go back. Go back to, you. <laughs> go back to your, All right. All right. Uh, but anyway, uh, and, and just type in Earl Weaver goes nuts or yeah. something, and you'll see the argument with Bill Haller. And you all, you all know the one. It's and the turn the hat, the hat backwards. Well, no. Actually, this is, uh, you know, you put your finger on Oh, that was the yeah, yeah, that was right. And, was and right. what happened was Channel 9 in D.C. was up to do a story on umpires, and they had a camera with Bill Haller mic <laughs> And that's how that all happened. I mean, I mean, the the, the incident right. itself. Mike Flanagan gets called for a balk, and Haller is explaining to Eddie Murray why he called the balk. Right. Step behind the rubber. Right. Well, Mike Flanagan, God rest his soul, and we we, we know about yes, the argument with 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 Earl and 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 Haller. But Mike Flanagan once told me he says the greatest part of that video that nobody knows about is that. Earl come, comes by the mound, and he looks at me. He says, did you balk? I said, yeah. He said, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> that is tremendous. Yeah. 
All right, uh, Glenn Clark, uh, Craig Heist, and Brittany here on the Bat Around on a Saturday morning. Now let's welcome in the uh, beat writer for the Athletic for the Baltimore Orioles. He is Dan Connolly. He joins us here on the Bat Around. Dan, it's good to talk to you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Absolutely. And let me, let me postscript what Heisty just said. It wasn't screw it that. Uh, well, yeah, no, right, it wasn't. Right, yeah. He said, yeah, but, and it wasn't even. He said, "Bleep you too, Flanagan." Right. <laughs> I don't know that Earl ever said screw it. He yeah, probably right, always right. said the other thing. But, but I just I want to make a point that it wasn't it. It was you yeah. because he was mad at Flanagan as well. Yeah, right. right. Um, and all I remember is Kaiser. The end of that video, Kaiser's heading back toward Dempsey at behind the plate, and he says, "Jesus," he says. I never thought we'd ever start this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the best part is Howard had the Howard had the best line of all. Oh like, yeah! The, you see me in the. I'm going to be in the world. I mean, I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he said, "What are you going to get in the Hall of Fame for, Earl?" Screwing up, up World Series. series? <laughs> <laughs> he says, "I've won more than I've guy. lost." <laughs> he says, "He says, game stupid, count games." <laughs> but it, it's funny. I was actually at the. Uh, um, Fan fest the day that it happened, you know, the six years. And one thing that people don't remember is that was the year after the statues. So yeah. It's an impromptu thing because the statues were open because you know, all the fans were there. Fans just started flooding over there. And I was at the Baltimore Sun at the time. So I actually walked over to his statue and then and spent maybe 15 minutes with fans who were just coming over to the statue to get their pictures taken. Just a pure impromptu thing that they just kind of wanted to, to feel that and be near, you know, Earl's presence. So that was a really cool thing. Yeah, the poetic is the word I could come back to, Dan. That like right. it's just there's something that was very again, it's sad. It was unbelievably sad to lose Earl, but that it would happen at a time where Orioles fans were able to gather together like that and share their memories and laugh and tell stories the way that you would, you know, when a when a family member passes right. away. Um, right. just it, it was definitely an important, I mean, uh, you know, momentous kind of day and you had that feel, you had like you said almost like a wake feel. It was, yeah. it was really Kind of a sweet thing that had happened that time. So you have spent. I, I, it's got. It feels like you have to have spent like three months working on this piece about Brandon <laughs> Hyde because, my lord, you talked to as I, I joked about with Heisey earlier. I'm pretty sure if he ever went to a Royal Farms, you tracked down <laughs> the guy that like he bought the coffee from at the Royal Farms. My God, this was quite the effort, and it ends up being an unbelievable story. I need to run into Justin Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how, when did you start this, and 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 what was your goal in telling the story with Brandon Hyde? Well, we'll start with the first part of it. It actually, I mean, I it probably was about a week, week and a half of of true work, but it was straight work. I mean, I you know, I I basically put everything else aside. That's one of the things we can do at the athletic is we can kind of put away the the you know the daily stuff that's going on, unless there's something huge, and really just kind of focus in on a story we want to tell. And so that's what I kind of got the opportunity to do. And I, you know, I, I asked him for a couple uh, suggestions of people to talk to. And then when I talked to those people, I asked them for people to talk to. So I kind of went bigger. And I guess my goal was to kind of paint the picture of this guy. You know, it's interesting to me because we kind of almost look at him as an overnight sensation. He had five interviews, you know, in the all in this off season to be a manager. I mean, he was the hot, he and his brother-in-law, in fact, Joe Espada were like the hot flavors, if you will, of, of this off season. And yet really, we knew very little bit about him, and, and so I kind of wanted to, to look at the overnight sensation since it was 20 years in the making. I mean, this guy's been in pro ball for 20 years. He's been a coach for more than 15 years. So this was not a guy who you know, snapped his fingers and suddenly people were talking about him. He'd been there for a long time. And so I kind of wanted to get a sense of that. And as I started the story, I realized that 
what really kind of set him apart in my mind, and, and you guys have been around the game or around sports a long time, you know that a lot of times guys get promoted based on who they know. I mean, right. they obviously have to you know, set a, a good example. But, you know, when a guy goes somewhere, a GM goes somewhere, for instance, maybe he brings a manager candidate along that he knows. Or if a development director gets hired, maybe he gets a, a minor league coach that he knows and brings him through. That's just kind of how it works in baseball and in many, in many business aspects. But the interesting thing about Hyde for me in that aspect is that he did not know any of the three guys who gave him his biggest breaks, whether it was you know, entering pro ball as a coach with the Marlins, going to the Cubs as development director, or you know, with the Orioles as manager, all three of the men who hired him hired him based on reputation and then on his interview. They were that impressed with the, with the guy that he is. Um, one of the things that jumped out at me about um, the story was how it intertwines with a, a folk hero in Orioles history in Robert yeah. Andino. Yeah. Yeah, that one I kind of stumbled onto. And, um, and to me, that was like Mark Del Piano told me that story and, and I was like, oh, I got to call Dino and see what's going on. Plus, plus it's always, as I used to tell you, it's always fun just to, to you know, talk to Robert Andino, one of the, uh, the funnier guys in, in, in sports, really. And, and so it was, it was actually just a pleasure for me to give him a call and, and BS with him as well and catch up with him. But, um, yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, Brandon Hyde is the manager of the Orioles going forward, and you hope he, he does things that can kind of help the Orioles and, and you know, establish indelible moments. Yet, if it weren't for what he was doing in 2004 in yep. the minor, or 2003 in the minors, you know, you wouldn't have had an indelible moment in Orioles history, and that was the, the curse of the Andino because he really did help Robert Andino stay in the minors uh, when Andino was really down on himself. A 19-year-old kid, his, his first child was being born. He was hitting uh, like under 150, and he basically, you know, he was a second-round pick, so he had a lot of money attached to him, and he was really thinking about giving it up. And Del Piano saw him crying in the uh, clubhouse in Greensboro one day and walked over to Hyde, who was a first-year coach and a hitting coach, and said, you work your magic, you take care of this kid. And he did, and Andino gives him a lot of credit for, for basically you know, resuscitating or at least keeping his uh, Major League dreams alive. It was great because Robert Andino, at the end of that 2011 season, he winds up getting the hit that wins the game and eventually knocks the Red Sox out of the playoffs and the Red Sox don't find out about this until right. they go into their clubhouse and are watching Longo hit the home run down the line to get them into the playoffs, okay? Mm -hmm. But Andino, I, use, I used to do a, when I was working at T.O.P., I used to do a Christmas poem at the end of the year. Okay. The night before Christmas. Yeah. Okay? And, and I'd write it and produce it, and I'd use sound bites at the end of, Sure. Different stanzas. And the one for, for wrapping up the Orioles season that year was Andino saying, you know, uh, he says, but to beat Boston and keep them out of the playoffs, it's, you know, the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember, send them home crying yeah. is yep. one of his lines. Yeah. <laughs> Echoed by uh, every Orioles fan on the planet, obviously, right. at that point. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Dan, most interesting thing that you came across, most interesting thing for you in, in putting together this unbelievable story? Honestly, part of it is, I mean, if you've seen him, if you've met Brandon Hyde, he looks like an ex-catcher. He looks like an ex-ball player. You know, he's 6'3", 230, 225, something like that. He looks like a stocky, burly ex-catcher. He was a great high school basketball player, like a really good one. He would have gone like junior college, played basketball there. But what was, I think was inter most interesting to me is that he actually, his last game as a high school player was in the playoffs in California, Northern California, 
and he had to go against Jason Kidd's team. And Kidd was the two-time, uh, you know, California Player of the Year. Was going had rides anywhere he wanted, and he Kidd scored 24 points, had nearly a, a quadruple double in that game. But Brandon Hyde, Orioles manager, scored 20 to lead his team in that game and <laughs> and knocked down four three pointers. That's cool. And basically was told by you know by the uh, you know his his teammates and stuff that he basically carried them for a little while. They ended up losing by 20, but it's kind of cool that his Hyde that you know that that his basketball career ended at the hands of Jason Kidd, is, an NBA Hall of Famer. That is really cool. That is really really cool. Hey, um, uh, Dan, I know, if I remember correctly, you're not the type who puts out your vote until after the Hall of Fame vote is revealed, correct? Well, that used to be the case, honestly, but the Athletic wanted to do it kind of as a group of us. Oh, okay. Um, so we did, so mine is out there this year. Okay, so you did there. put that out there this year. I, I have not, and I apologize because I have not seen it, but knowing how you voted in the past, I'm going to assume you again voted for Mike Messina. I did. I, I well, and I wouldn't admit that I did with heist on the line anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, let's face it. But yes, I, I vote, vote for Messina. I'm pretty consistent in my votes, guys. Um, I, you know, I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that I don't know who did steroids and who didn't, for the most part, unless obviously they failed tests. So I kind of dumbed down the um, the power numbers, if you will. I put, put a little bit more uh, emphasis, maybe on on defense than maybe others do. And I kind of do it overall, and um, and Messina always makes my list there. So, so Messina, if I try to do it off the top of my head here, um, you know, obviously I, I put Bonds and Clemens for the reasons I just stated. I feel like they were, you know, Hall of Famers regardless of, of what they were using or what they did. Um, Rivera and and Halliday are, are the two new guys I put in. Messina and I put Schilling back on this year. I did drop him for a year, not for any political purposes, just because I felt like. There were 10 last year that were a little better. Um, I voted for him in the past, and I added him again this year. Um, so that's the thing that gives me six. I voted for Edgar Martinez, as I always do, and um, Fred McGriff for the first time. McGriff was never in my top 10, but I always thought he was probably a Hall of Famer. And with the, you know, because it thinned out a little bit last year, I got to add him this year in his final year. And then two of my kind of pet projects I always vote for Larry Walker and Omar Vizquel. It's only Vizquel's second year, but I'll continue to vote for him. Like I said, I just think defense is, is a you know something that we kind of overlook a and um, those two were were two of the best ever at their positions. Not to mention the fact that they were you know that they did some stuff offensively, especially Walker. So those are my ten. Um, but yeah, I always stick with Messina. Well, I can I can sit here and do an imitation for you, and 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 I'll let you guess. I didn't vote for Mike Messina this year. <laughs> Because I just didn't want to. <laughs> All right. I, I love Dave Ginsburg. He's one of my favorite people in the world. We always have an argument when it comes to Hall of Fame time. We just we just don't see eye to eye. He is a very he's very, very simplistic in who he thinks should go in the hall. It's a it's a very small group every year and I respect that. I always think that it's I mean, I always I'm I'm always more than ten. To me there's fifteen or sixteen guys every year that I think, man, they're close. And then I really go back and I I mean I, I look at it every single year. I don't like take it for granted. I go back with the numbers every year, and then I order them one through whatever I have, and those top 10 that I have are the ones I put on my ballot. And I think there's probably 13 or 14 I really could have put in this year and, and, and not blinked. Um, you know, but a lot of people think it should be much more exclusive. I just think these guys were really great ballplayers, and it's, it's hard to say that an Omar Vizquel doesn't belong because his, you know, 
his offensive overall, like his slugging or whatever, it wasn't very good. I mean, these were tremendous players. But by the way, he's not and Ray Ordonez either. Like, let's not pretend like he was a zero as right. a hitter. I, I'm with you on Omer Vizquel, by the way. I mean, he was one of the most spectacular players I got to and, watch play the game. And he was part of the probably the best double play combination I've ever seen. When it was him and Alomar? When it was well, him and Alomar yeah, at Cleveland, yeah. Jesus, no doubt about that. And he had 2,800 hits, guys. Right. He, he had yeah. 400 and some steals. He led the, the league in, in sacrifice bunting a while now. I know people look at it uh, sacrifice but I mean, that means that's the kind of player he was. Most of his, or a lo- lo- long part of his career, a chunk of his career was batting second. And he was, an, he was a prototypical number two hitter. He, he slapped the ball. He was a singles hitter. He got on base a, a, an okay amount, but he moved the runner over. When he got on base, he would steal bases. I mean, he, he was a number two hitter, and, and I mean, that's, that works in a lineup. And he was so good defensively. I mean, here's one of the things. I don't decided on narrative fellas i kind of come up with overall what i think but narrative always plays a little bit into to me and i was having a conversation with with mike bordick you know orioles an announcer and 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 former longtime shortstop who probably was robbed at least twice by viscal from for the gold glove and bordick told me that viscal was the only player that he would make a point to come out early on to watch take infield practice because he was such he was so tremendous at the fundamentals of playing shortstop, that Bordick was a really good fundamental shortstop, would come out and watch him to see how good he, you know, to see what he did differently and kind of work on it. And that, to me, again, narrative is, doesn't yeah. always play in, in the voting, but that to me says something. Well, that's the eye test, and it's also what people and 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 the peers of these players are saying about him. Yeah, how do you argue? You know, that? how do you argue that? Yeah. Well, you argue with the numbers, and the numbers say that he wasn't a particularly good hitter. The numbers say his defensive war, if you will, which I think is complete crap, um, is you know wasn't as high as you would anticipate for someone who's you know as glorified as a shortstop. But I mean, again, the eye test means something to me, and and the numbers mean something. But I also try to look at it as an overall broad thing. And to me, he was he was the best shortstop with with the exception or addition of Ozzie Smith. He was the best short defensive shortstop in the last 30, 40 years. That, to me, means something. I, I, I do not argue with any of that. I'm, no. I'm completely in agreement. By the way, Kenny Lofton was a guy that I would have, you know, like I wish would have gotten more of a look and more of a run when he was on the ballot because he's a guy that I would sort of say similar things about in the way that he played and I test, but numbers maybe don't match it up, match up with it. Like, Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I think he's one, um, you know, one of the ones that, that, that give me pause and give me difficulty is Andrew Jones. Yeah. Because he was a tremendous defensive player. No doubt. Um, yeah. And it was a really good offensive player, and then fell off, completely fell off the board offensively. And then eventually his defense kind of came to the norm, and he, he couldn't keep him in the game. And I think that's one of the things about the scale is that he was in the game for so long, and if he was such a, a, a junky hitter, how do you do that? Well, he, because he was even at 42 years old, he was still really good at what he did, and that was provide defense. I remember the year Cal Ripken made three errors in the season right. and got beat out by uh, for the Gold Glove by Ozzie Gian. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 I for, I've forgotten about that. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Dan. Yeah. Well, Bordick, Bordick didn't have him make an error an entire season. Right, right. Who did win the gold glove? So, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, because Omar Vizquel made plays that you would sit there and watch on repeat over right. and over. Imagine if uh, right. Omar Vizquel existed in, in more of a YouTube-friendly you know, time period. I'm like, Jesus, right. we'd just watch it forever. Uh, wrapping up with Dan Connolly from The Athletic. Dan, let me go back to Messina, because uh, Heisey and I have been talking about this this morning. 
Your thoughts it's surprised on surprised me that Heisey's been talking about Messina. But well, no, no, no. But this is, okay. I just told him I told him the story about Molesky and I sitting in the press box and whenever they have a, a video of Mike on the on the screen, you know, Steve will look over at me and say, You need a minute? <laughs> <laughs> um if Messina gets in on Tuesday, and it looks like it's gonna be very it's very fifty fifty, right? Like he could right, very right, well get right, on right. Tuesday. If he doesn't, he's going to get in, you know, next year or the year after that. Um right. what should the Orioles do? You know, like, how do they handle the statue thing, the retiring the number thing? Like, this is a guy that played 10 years in Baltimore and might go in as an Oriole. Like, what do you, what do, you do with Mike Messina as far as all of that stuff? Yeah, it's an excellent point. It's something that I'm going to consider writing as well. I think, I think the standard has been set. I think that if Mike Messina decides to go, if he, you know, like, say, we're, we're under the assumption he's going to be a Hall of Fame, whether it's this year or next year. When he goes in, if he chooses, or if they choose a, you know, a hat for him, and it's an Orioles hat, I think the standard has been set, and that thirty-five is retired, and you know the thirty-five number goes out there at, at Camden Yards, and the statue goes up. To me, that is the standard that has been set, and if he goes in as an Oriole, then I think that's what they do. Now, if he chooses to go in as a Yankee, then I, I think they're clear; they don't have to do it. If he chooses not to have something on his hat, if, if the, and, and and you know the Hall of Fame agrees to that, and he has nothing on his hat, then I think it's really the Orioles' call, I and mean, I think it's kind of what their decision is. But what? if he ends up in the ten of the eighteen years he was an Oriole, if he ends up as an Oriole in the Hall of Fame, I think they have to do what they've done with the other, the other ones, and that's yeah. retire the number, give him the number. And you know, and put a statue out there for but him. but the, it is up to the Hall of Fame, correct? You know, it, it's one of those nebulous things, Craig. It's it's up to the Hall of Fame with the significant input. input of yeah. the player. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so you know, they usually don't go against someone's you know request unless they think the request. And I don't <laughs> remember who I think it was Winfield. It was somebody a few years ago that requested something that they did not. Well, we talked about knowledge like- because it was completely different. Well, didn't Wade Boggs request to go in as a Ray? Yeah, I mean, that might have been a, it, I, I, feel I, like, I don't remember which one it was. But I feel was, like that was, was, and I feel like Randy Johnson requested to go in as a Diamondback, and they put him in as a Diamondback, well, right? Well, you know right? what? Right. Yeah. In, in Mike's case, it may be, you know, with what he what happened when he left the Orioles, he, you know, he pitches on that Saturday night. Sunday, on the final day of the regular season, I'm in the dugout, and I'm interviewing him, and I said, Mike, why can't this get done? He says, because Craig, he's a lawyer and he wants to win, and that and you wonder if that's still. <laughs> and you wonder whether or not right, that still, still yeah. sits on with him in, in this yeah. decision making process. It is interesting right. though what they end up doing. It's very- yeah, and I, you know, it's funny when I when I wrote my book, I did talk to Mike about you know in length about different things. I talked to him specifically about that, and it seems like, I mean, I think it's always you know he was such a competitor. I think it's always going to be kind of a little bit deep down in him, but I also think that time does heal, and I think that it's a situation where. You know, the Orioles put him in their Hall of Fame, obviously, because he deserved that, no question. But he's come back a couple times. He, you know, he wants to bring his kids back to to see Camden Yards and stuff once a year or whatever. So I, I think that they're, I think that he would be more than happy to go in as an Oriole. Yeah. I think he'd be more than happy to go in as a Yankee, and that's why I think there might actually be a push for him to not go in. No, nothing with, on with the cap. On yeah. Real, real quick, tell Glenn the story. He gets he, the book comes out. Okay, yeah. hundred things yeah. you need to know about Ray. I opened this book up, and literally, what happened, Dan? 
I believe it was the Rafi, though, right? It wasn't Moose, was it? it wasn't it Rafi? No, no. I, I went right to Moose's picture. <laughs> right to, to, I, I just opened course. the book. Just happened just to go to, of course he did. Right, of course he did. That's yep. the way it played out. All right. Yep, that's hilarious. At Dan Connolly 2016 on Twitter is how you follow him. Go read the Brandon Hyde piece. I tweeted it out uh, at Glenn Clark Radio, uh, a link to the piece in The Athletic that you can go read right now. It's excellent. If you're not subscribing to The Athletic, you're insane because the coverage is just so good, and it's it's so worth it. Uh, Dan, anything else we can plug for you, man? Nope, that's it. Just, just you know, We're trying to get as many people to The Athletic as possible. It's been a whole lot of fun, and, and they allow you to do stories like I did this week on Hyde. You know, and Jeff Rubik does our, our football coverage. Yep. does an amazing job of it. So, I mean, it, it is. And my buddy Patrick become, Stevens covers the Terps, yeah, too. Yeah. Give a shout out to him. Pat does a wonderful job yep. with, with the Terps and with college basketball and college sports in general. So it's been a lot of fun. So if you're not you're a, uh, a sports fan and you haven't checked it out, please do. And you can get all kinds of stuff. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I, I get Notre Dame on my feed. So yeah, there you, you go. You get all kinds of stuff. No, it's it's the coverage is unbelievable. It's absolutely yeah. worth it. If you're a sports fan, you need to have an athletic subscription, period. Uh, Dan, really appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. I hope to do it again real soon, all right? You got it. Take care, guys. Dan Connolly from The Athletic checking in. Hey, uh, quickly, uh, tomorrow's Sunday, and you might think to yourself, well, I can't get Chick-fil-A on Sunday, which is what I really want, but it's Sunday. Au contraire. Yeah. Chick-fil-A on Sundays? Yeah. With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on a Sunday make all of your events remarkable. With Chick-fil-A catering trays, they're perfect for tailgating birthdays or office parties. And tomorrow is the perfect day for this. Football all day. Right? I mean, I guess it doesn't start till 3, but still, you go out, do whatever you're going to do. 3 to 11.30 yeah. tomorrow night. Correct. Yeah. You're hunkering down. You're telling me that day isn't exponentially better if you can just sit around and watch football with a nugget tray from Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Are you out of That's the perfect day. So get that taken care of today. Get over to Chick-fil-A. Get your reheatable chilled nugget tray and have that for tomorrow. Uh, the fastest two hours. That couldn't have been faster. That yeah. was that was fun. That we was really really quick. Right, just flew yeah. right through. Flew right through. Great conversation. Uh, Ken Zalis is on. Uh, uh, he's doing uh, so many people, man, with the Mike Messina thing. Uh, Ken Zalis, if he goes in and has a Yankees cap, ignore it altogether. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many people that it's still you yeah, know I like know. they can't get over it. Um, I'm on your side, Heisty, but I know that it's out there. And that's well, it's out there, but it's wrong to be out there because <laughs> he didn't have very much to do with it. Uh, Brittany, thank you. Always. Uh, b- b- you're on Twitter, right? Uh, yes. Plug your Twitter. Tell people to I, give you I'm a follow. I'm pretty sure it's Britt underscore Everett. What do you mean you're pretty sure? You should probably I, know that. Look, I, I occasionally check Twitter. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, of course, at C High Sports on That's Twitter me. is how you follow Craig. Yep. I'm at Glenn Clark Radio. You know why I came up here today, really? Because I was that? supposed to kind of have the day off. Too. Yeah, that is true. Right. This literally came about last night. Well, I kind of thought to myself, well, you know what? You've been telling Glenn you're going to come up to do the show yeah. during the course of the week. Yeah. You might as well just make it good today. I do appreciate <laughs> that. And for what it's worth, I, I have always I continue to leave that open for you. Yes. Literally whatever day you want to come in and sit in for GCR. I actually have to go to the gym today, but any other day I'll take you to lunch. All I right. promise you that. Yeah. All right, whatever day you want to come up and sit in on uh, Glenn Clark Radio. What was that place we went to down the Blue road Pit. here? It's oh, awesome. It it's awesome. awesome. If you have awesome. been to Blue Pit, with uh, we, I don't even know if they pay us any money, but they're great. They're they're fr- <laughs> and they're friends of ours, and they're right down the street from us, and it's an awesome place. All right, uh, thank you to all of our guests today. Thank you to uh, Anthony Calamus from Baseball Hall of Fame Tracker, Adam Pohl from the Bay Sox, Greg Bader from the Orioles, as well as Dan Connolly. Enjoyed all of those conversations, and uh, we'll get the whole show. If you missed anything from today's show, Brittany will have it up uh, at uh, pressboxonline.com slash radio. You'll be able to check it out right there. We good? We can say goodbye? We can say goodbye. Wonderful. I'm back. What do you like tomorrow? Home teams. 
Home teams? Home teams. Saints and Chiefs. Hard for me to pick against Tom Brady. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But, God, I'm ready for it to be somebody else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Agree with that Thank completely. You. Thank you. Uh, so I, I, by the way, I'm on Inside Press Box tomorrow morning, 10:30 a.m. as well. Oh, all right. Uh, Gary Stein, it's me, Dave Petromala from Johns Hopkins as well on Inside Press Box tomorrow morning, 10:30 a.m. And uh, KZ and Rita are with you tomorrow morning, 10 to noon for the Fantasy and Reality Football Show. I'm back with you Monday morning, 10 to noon for Glenn Clark Ready. We'll see you then. It's been the Bat Around.